com- taking two completely opposite things and correlating them. But that's just because you don't see the actual correlation. And that's an interesting starting point. There's no way for me to make you see what I see when I like read one of those articles and I'm like, and it spurs my mind, oh, hey, Morgan and I have had this conversation a year ago. And now mainstream psychology or um, some academic sector is picking up on the topic and they're running with it and they're professionals. So they're putting out theses and is it a thesis? No, it's a thesis. Plural. What's the plural of thesis? Probably thesis. It's probably (laughs) one of those worlds, right? Do we need to look that up real quick? Might be. Probably one of those worlds that words that's the same. It's not thesi. That, uh. <laughs> it could be a theses, a bunch of theses. But it's just fascinating to me because um, I can see the conversations that we have had. We've had a lot in those articles that are getting churned out. It is theses. It's theses. All right. I won't say that I was all the way right. Because I was wrong a couple of times it's, until I was right. So thesis, T-H-E-S-I-S. Theses, T-H-E-S-E-S. S-E-S, That's how they yeah. do that one. Yeah. More, bit more Greek. A little bit different, yeah. Definitely a Greek word. But, you know, these days we need to short it, shorten it. The, oh, yeah. Saying thesis is way too long. No, it's, yeah. yeah it opens you, the door to a lisp. Yeah. As well. well you read I have my, a little bit you of read my sis. Huh? You read my sis lately? I what? Right, my sis. Huh? <laughs> the country Morgan making an appearance here early. In the first two minutes. <laughs> I don't have a your... thesis. I don't want to say thesis. Have uh, you read my sis, my bro? My sis? You know, no. You know T-H-E. It's just a given. <laughs> <laughs> two syllables, I think, is still okay for folks out there. Oh, okay. Do you uh do you like the uh, we'll get back to the articles stuff and us predicting the future and being ahead of everything and all that later on, I'm sure. We do that every show. I do at least. But um do you like acronyms for stuff? Like do you like R O F L? Do you know what R O F L means? Yeah. Roll on floor laughing. Yeah. But did so that makes sense from a texting standpoint, but yeah. if somebody's ROFL while you're with them having conversation at like a bar or restaurant, that's it's odd. a little weird. But then that tells you everything you need to know about that person. What True. we were just talking about before the program. It's like like FOMO drives me insane. Really? I like FOMO. Um, oh wait, wait. The the actual the actual feeling of FOMO or the acronym? The acronym. Oh, I like the acronym. I hate it. Hmm. I hate BOGO. Oh man, I got to use that one a lot. Again, if you're you're, you're texting, um, sort of makes sense. But if we're having a discussion, it's um, you're just anti shortcut. It's an it's annoying. You're just anti shortcut because BOGO. If we're having a conversation about a, a sale on Black Friday, I'm like, hey Morgan, it's buy one get one free at Target. Why not save you the millisecond of conversation and life that you can experience doing something else by saying, Morgan, it's BOGO at Target. Like I'm saving you time there. Are you saving me time or are you saving yourself time in speaking? Both of us. But I don't need that. 
you don't need less communication and saying and getting the point across. My grandmother probably has no idea what BOGO is. So for some a-hole 30-year-old to talk to my grandmother and use BOGO in a sentence, that's a-hole. Well, that's circumstantial, of course. Is it? Well, why are you assuming 50-year-old Morgan knows what BOGO is? <laughs> because he does. I know I he do, does. I do, but I mean, why are we making those assumptions that are... Because you know... Dude, that's just ridiculous. But, but that's stupid. Yeah. No. No, that is silly. That Shortening a word is dumb. These are multiple words. This is five words. That's what uh, an acronym is. I think you're being ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm being salacious, perhaps. Look that one up. Our, our listeners don't need to look it up. They know what salacious means. <laughs> you know, I, you made a good point like three or four episodes ago. It's been a while since we've recorded. It took a little two-week hiatus from recording, but I think it was one of the previous three episodes. You said, don't insult our audience um, too much because, you know, they're they're intelligent. I think I think you're right. Our average listenership for the last 10 to 15 episodes has been around the two-hour, three-minute threshold every single episode. Hopefully they're listening like on high speed or something, and that's why it's... Well, I know some of them are. Two hours instead of the full three or whatever. I listen on high speed. Maybe that's telling us, hey, guys, why don't you uh, stop putting out three-hour episodes? Um, see? So... How can you go from one topic and all of a sudden lose the consistency in the very next topic of what we're talking about? See, you got to remain consistent in these these. Um, I'm meandering over here. I know, I know, ahead. but I'm breaking you down a little okay. over here. I'm analyzing. Um, I'm in that mood tonight. Hopefully, you'll allow me to do it. Not many people do. I guess. Well, let's go back to Bogo and FOMO, okay. right? Advertising's picked up on it, and so if you end up catching advertising. That's to me. I probably probably makes it most annoying. Yes. Yeah. The like McDonald'sing or targeting of stuff and and making it very putting popping. in their ads, putting in their commercials, putting it on even uh, in the store. You just see a bogo sign. I, I don't know. <clears throat> that stuff drives me insane. Hmm. But it gets the point across. It does. It communicates to the weak-minded. Yes. Which is somewhat important. Well, you, yeah, if you, you want to just, sell goods, you got right. you you to... Just, just, <laughs> like, we'd probably be on that yacht now if we had a 30-minute podcast and had 300 episodes. Yeah, there's no way. But we've got 80, and they're three hours apiece. <laughs> because we're not trying to communicate with uh, the dulled-down audience. I was talking about this, uh, just recapping my viewing I'm of Dune. with talking to them but that's okay no i like it too but i like i like being able to be myself and still communicate with a variety of audiences because i think we can do that here sure. we have jokes we have yeah. lazy topics we have um you know small-minded opinions on some topics sometimes that are sure. very short and narrow and shallow i'm very I mean, you do yeah, yeah. I, i'm shallow <laughs> shallow guy no. No, you're not. I want people to believe I am. Sure. And sometimes I like to play into that belief. You want to know why? <laughs> you want to know why I'm staying away from video mm. as long as possible for the show? Because I have a superstition when it comes to video. I believe in the old adage that the revolution will not be televised. So when 
when I stick to my guns and I say the revolution will not be televised, I just think to myself, well, I can never have video meandering because what we're doing here is revolutionary. I don't know about that. Well, it is. Secrets. Cat's out of the bag, Morgan. Come on. This isn't episode 20. We're not, we're not dancing around or uh, beating around the bush or keeping anything concealed anymore. That goes back to the original thing that I was bringing up. I throw all these articles at you, not for talking points, sometimes, but mostly it's like, huh, we were right about this. Oh, hey, look, they're catching on to this topic of conversation. Maybe I'm completely wrong about all this, and maybe all of these articles and these research groups and all of this news cycle that's coming out um, in the last year or two, it's all been in the works for multiple years and well before we had the conversation. I'm sure there's traces of it, of course, um, and some people have had these these theses well before we've had the conversations oh, on yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But some of them are after we've had the conversation on them, or at least developed some concrete thoughts on them because i think we do that well here i don't want this to turn into like a pat on the back episode but it's been a while since i talked to you it's only been two weeks that's a long time in meandering time we we texted (laughs) yeah you told me to watch a show we cussed each other out a couple of times (laughs) people are interesting yeah i'm generally fascinated by people for sure my wife and i were talking about um like i generally liked like growing up like um the girls who would do things like just shave like one side of their head or i'm into that 15 piercings in one ear Mm -hmm. one another you know that sort of you know dye in their hair crazy color I always was more attracted to talking to them or seeing what's up with them than a lot of other girls. And I, we were just talking about that the other day because I just think about changing her hairstyle and you okay. know, I had a few recommendations. And okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, it's an anniver- It's a big anniversary coming she, up. She thought, yeah, it is. And she thought, yeah, she remembers all that and thinks I'm nuts. Hmm. She thought I would, was nuts. The, like, you were into the rebellious like, type? Sort of. Okay. Or at least um, the type that you couldn't necessarily get a fix pin. on right yeah. away. But, that you can pin down, or, so to or, speak. Or their, their, their look is just uh, opposite or different enough to make you go, okay, I don't, all right, I'm interested in learning where this came from. Like, Yeah, their style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these days, man can all be a facade. Well, I mean... That's I, why I, you talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably a facade. Well, I mean, a lot of those people weren't... Once you talk to them, get to know them, they really weren't that different. Yeah, but that, that's the thing is... Some of them might have been a little broken, but they weren't... Like, they weren't... They didn't have some radical, crazy worldview. Mm. I want that, the radical, crazy worldview. But I want, I want it to... I want it to be intellectually sound. Yeah, good luck. Oh, it can be. Quite easily. 
I want to be intrigued. I want a little bit of allure, a little bit of mystery. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy. Not just in uh, male-female sexual or romantic relationships. In general. Like, what happened to that? Think about the, the element of mystery and pioneering that was available to the common man in the 19th century. Whether it was philosophical, whether it was with the printing press, um, whether it was with the advent of radio, the advent of some technologies. So you're saying like... What are we doing? What are we doing with the world that we have now that is... What's the common man or the common woman doing that is intriguing with the world that we have now? Are you saying that it's not as intriguing because social media? This goes back. Everybody put, oh, wow. Partially. Morgan shows up and here's the fire truck. Oh, yeah. They show up every Wednesday. This is, <laughs> this is your thing. <laughs> There's a fire truck parked outside. I might hear the sirens. They've been here like four or five times in the last couple of weeks. It's been awfully strange. Um, this goes back to my opening comedy bit, which was meant to be George Carlin-esque and not really comedy, but more satire and more like harsh reality truth. I would walk up to a random stranger. I'd say, how's your day going? They would tell me about their day. And then my response is, well, actually in the world of stand-up, see, this is why I couldn't be a stand-up because I'm tweaking it as I go. I asked an audience member to tell me about their day leading up to them coming to my show. And they tell me a boring, mundane day 99% of the time. And I say, wow, you must be so busy. <laughs> because everybody thinks they're busy. But then when if you ask them to write things out on paper, I guarantee you everybody's day is pretty close to the same thing. The baselines. Are you, well, are you, are you talking, are you taking work out of it or career out of that or no? Oh, I'm taking the... Uh, the details of their work out of it. Yes. I'm saying, what do you do from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m.? Brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, eat breakfast, start my commute, make my kids their school, lunch, and then I go to work. Okay. Now, I'm not asking them, what do you do at work? If they want to share like something exciting that happened, that's fine. That could be another bit in the comedy. Did you do anything exciting at work today? <laughs> silence from the crowd I guess my point here is like there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of intrigue in the social world anymore and that's that may be what is intriguing about social media to people I don't why do you think there's not that intrigue like you think people had crazier stories and 1988 than they do today in 2021 it seems like today they're exaggerated and they're almost show so that they can be interesting but it's like a fake interesting i I would guess the same thing happened in 1988 oh no in the 19th century not in the 80s i'm talking about like 200 years ago when there was a sense of the unexplored and like we don't know but let's try and find out what this is all about. The philosophical yeah, minds that were churning out yeah, ideas, the I Einsteins. Don't, I, don't, I don't, well, that's not 
That's that's the Freuds, the Jungs, the Descartes. That's all turn of the century, though. That's all. No, not all of it. Einstein uh, is. Yeah. I often think about like my so pre nineteen hundred. I guarantee you, it was really boring because getting food, maintaining shelter. And, uh, and if you had a family trying to raise a family was probably 99% of everything that you did. I don't, if you were, there was no deep discussion of philosophy for the average everyday man in 1880. You don't think there was the quandary or the, the conversation about like, what are we doing this for? And why are we doing it every day? In London, perhaps Mm. in Paris, perhaps, but small town world absolutely not well nothing's changed what absolutely has changed though mm. no yeah the, the discussions are being had on social media which is now like the well, big city we're not focused on finding food and getting food and having a steady those things are gone now then why okay let me, uh, For most of us, that's that's gone. So we're not spending a large part of our day tracking down water or food or. Then why are we these um, animalistic creatures of habit still that you've alluded to in the past? Are well, you've like, got fifty thousand years of evolution, and only in the last hundred have you has that changed? It takes a couple generations for me to. So it can take way more than a couple of generations to to take out what fifty thousand years put in it it doesn't work that way with like all genes like baldness skips generations eye colors can skip generations so why not emotional behavior because that's more learned and not handed down through genes i would guess and by the way blue eyes will go away genetically yeah oh they'll just go away as we mix genes, the thing that makes oh, yeah. blue eyes blue will go away. Like you, you'll have to manipulate genes to get oh, kids yeah. with blue eyes at some point. I guess time. what I'm saying, I'm focusing on the dominant traits, um, both physically and um, mentally, psychologically. So it seems like the physically dominant traits can be eroded at quicker than the mental traits that we've acquired as humans. Like if your dad was obese. You can say, hey, I'm not going to be obese. I'm just going to follow a different diet. You can you can set a strict regimen to uh, show different genetic expression throughout your life that kind of thwarts the physical um, you can. traits of you your heredity. Your, your, sure. but, but you're but saying you can't still... do it behaviorally no, as easy? It's learned. Even it's something learned like obesity. Well, even like. Even obesity is is probably learned in a lot of ways. But it's learned by the past. No, it's learned by your environment. Which is always the past. The I past. guess if you want to put it in those terms, yes. I know you don't remember all of the conversations we had. Like most of what you are and do is probably developed in your brain between the ages of zero and ten. Right. When you have the least amount of awareness or impact that these things may have. Mm. At that point in time, it is 
all about the environment that you're in. It's, it is genetic in a lot of ways and conditioned influence as well, which is why, man, the more I think about it, the less I want to influence as a parent, negative or positive. I kind of just want to take a step back and observe. I've, I've never, you know, know me, I don't have kids, but I've always thought if I did, I would try to be as hands off with certain things, allowing the kiddo to kind of come up with their own thoughts at a young age, especially yeah, because it's somewhat safer. You don't have to worry about your five-year-old smoking pot and uh, shooting right. up heroin. In the- <laughs> well, at least right now you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you could kind of watch them and you can silently take notes in your head of like, okay, this behavior can't keep going down this path because if it does, it'll turn into this. You can do that. You just don't necessarily need to be vocal about it. Well, and, and maybe you try to just nudge in a direction versus yes, here's the direction you should go in. You just want to maybe nudge, but man, that's tough. <clears throat> I, the nudging I'm, part. I bet oh man. I bet it's super tough. You have to formulate like a plan and you have nothing to work off of when it comes to that particular child because it's all new. So the plan you have to build is almost like a plan of how would I be nudged? If I was doing this, it's sort of what would work on what would what would yeah. work on me? And then mm. you're like, oh, nothing would work on me because I'm stuck in my ways. And then you're like, oh, no wonder my kid's doing this. <laughs> Get it from her mama or daddy. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. It is. But that tells you everything you need to know about the world out there and their parents and their grandparents. Well, and each each generation seems to raise kids slightly well, a lot more differently here lately, right? Like Yeah. The difference between like my grandmother's growing up versus my mom's growing up versus my growing up versus my cousins who are say 15 years younger than me is just drastic. It is. A drastic difference whereas I don't it wasn't that drastic in when we're talking about the year like 1700 or 1800, I don't know if the, the way that each generation was raised was drastically different. And that's technology in a lot of ways that's driven that, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. Electricity is probably the biggest game changer of them, of them all. A light on. Having a light on at home. Yeah. Well, I'm just... Just in general, like you think about an invention or something that really propelled society forward, it definitely was electricity. I was going to say printing press before that, the ability to read. I don't know that printing press. And write at an expedient. I don't. But don't you feel like some of those tools are really controlled, especially in the early days, as far as what got printed, how it got distributed? Like you, you didn't have like Joe Schmo on the corner, around on the farm, around the way that right. could just go get a printing press or take his stuff to the printing. It press. was the 8K TV of the day. <clears throat> you know, yeah, and well, you had probably right an elite that essentially controlled 95 percent of. That sort of thing. Wouldn't we be able to look back then in hindsight and spot that pretty quickly and say, well, all these 18th century books, 
that came out after Gutenberg put out his little device. Well, they're all from people who had wealth, power, and... Um, I think that would probably be true. Huh. It, I mean, wealth, though, like you're going to have opposing opinions still. Sure. Right? Um, but how are they going to get their voice out? Well, different you live in different countries. You don't live in the same kingdom. No, but back then, how would they get their voice out if their opposition, so to speak, had this technological advancement that they didn't have access um, to as strong as the printing press? Maybe plays, acting, oh. street. Oh, oration at uh, yeah. amphitheaters, stuff like that. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Hmm. How do you think it works now? What technologies do the elite and the wealthy have? Is well, it I don't just know that they can control numbers? communications anymore, right? Right. Communication is beyond control. Well, I mean, Elon Musk does own satellites. Well, yeah, but I mean, anyone can... Own a satellite? Well, anyone can start a blog. Anyone can create That's videos true. on YouTube and post, you know. Yeah. Anyone That's true. has all that access. It's It's... You can't control that. But that's a... That's a catch-22. The same thing happened with uh, books. Like, I think we went through a phase of, you're right, at first it was probably the elite who had access to being able to write or edit materials well, well, that they sure, wanted to and put it out. Yeah. But then, when everybody had access to it, you got inundated with written material to the point where everything became almost muddled because there were so many... Um, viewpoints and opinions on certain topics and certain things. We've kind of gone through the same thing with the internet, in my opinion, uh, or social media specifically. We've talked about this on plenty of episodes where you had this first phase where the intended audience or perhaps the audience that was more intellectually apt to picking up on the technology used it for not necessarily all the righteous reasons or all the great reasons or even the most innovative reasons, but they used it for reasons that um, it was intended for. And then as more and more people got involved with it, it just turned the whole thing sour and turned the whole thing into a mess. And now, hopefully, I wish this would work with books, but it, it hasn't and so it doesn't really prove my theory that I would like to see happen as achievable. I would like for the internet to be operated with like a sense of moral imperative. Meaning like it's such a powerful technology like the book was, like the printing press was. That we can and we should take a stand kind of like a vehicle. We don't just allow reckless driving to occur. Well, There's police. True, but they don't catch all reckless driving. Yeah, but if you reckless drive every day, you get caught. I don't. You're not. I'm not talking about your style <laughs> reckless driver. You're just a troll driver. I'm not a troll driver. I'm not trying to take trolls off the internet. I'm trying to take misinformation off the internet. Oh, that's that's never, ever, ever going to happen. Ever. It's just curation at the end of the day. That will never happen. 
Okay, back to my analogy of driving okay. piss poorly or endangering people left and right. If you drive 70 and a 50 day in, day out, yep. and you weave in and out of lanes without your signals, sooner or later, you'll get pulled over. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stop. You might get your ticket and do the same thing the next day. But then if you continue doing that, repeated behavior, there is some sense of escalated um, ramifications if you continue that behavior. It's just like drug usage. It's just like anything that has a, a negative end result. Society does a, a decent job via its laws to try to slow you down from hitting that brick wall that you don't see in front of you if you continue that behavior. Why don't we have something like that when it comes to the internet? Like, why don't we have an ultimatum? It's like, hey, you do this. Like, we know who you are. We have your IP address. You continue this for a year. You just don't have internet access. Well, I could do 50 million things to change my IP address. But it doesn't change the fact that you can still be tracked and we know who you are as a present person. You can easily be on the internet and not be tracked. You think that's true anymore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's probably more true today than it's ever been. Because the tools that hide your IP or that, that um, you know, jump your IP or whatever, however you want to think of it, yeah, uh, are probably way easier for the average everyday guy to get a hold of. It's not something only a handful of people have anymore. It's, again, it's all out there. <laughs> We're but you can't be naive in thinking that stuff like Google Incognito I, and and DuckDuckGo is what I'm talking about here. Because those I'm, I'm not talking about that at all. What are you talking about as far as as far as not there being are, trackable online? So let me just put it this way, and we'll go back to my thing that I bitch about probably too often here. But you can't gamble online in the state of Texas. Yeah, you're just trying to get that changed, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's BS. Like, and so there are certain apps that, uh, that you can bet horse racing on that are legal in, you know, like all the other states except Texas. Actually, there's probably like five holdout states or something. So I have a simple program that I can run that tricks the uh, website into thinking I'm living in that state. Should I edit this part out of no, the No, pro- fine okay. with it. All right. So that I can use that service. And that is something super simple. Yeah. And I would imagine they're not trying to police that very heavy because they're going to make money if I can get there. Yeah. I would rather not have to do that, but I, but that's just one simple thing. I mean, if I want to hide my tracks online, easy. I don't think it's that hard to do at all. All it takes. Why why does anonymous never get caught? Well, because they're kind of doing some okay things. I mean, how how can we, they're not doing (laughs) Yeah, but what they're what they what they are breaking laws. They're not laws. anarchists. Well, they are breaking laws, and they have broken laws, and they could definitely be prosecuted. Yes. Okay, so how come the Russian hacker that holds everyone's data hostage and gets paid millions of dollars? How come we can't track those guys? Well, I think we could. We just. I think we would if we could. We probably have. I doubt it. I think that would be huge news if you actually got those guys and you'd want to you'd want to make that well known that you caught these guys but and you, that you're prosecuting these guys but you have to be somewhat sensitive with all that too because i mean you could start a bigger conflict by 
being upfront about knowing who those guys are. Someone uh, injury, perhaps. Sounds like it. Sounds like someone got hurt. <laughs> now we know why the fire truck's here. Some guy fell out of bed and bumped his knee. Bumped his knee. Or the cops are abusing someone as we speak. Oh, who's inebriated? That's yeah, a fire truck. There's no cops. Yeah. Now he sounds like a cat. <laughs> um. Well, Sorry. I think you got to be sensitive with a situation like that because it, especially these days, especially in misinformation era, you can have it turn into a much larger political conflict. Well, and it's probably going to. Well, that's why we're not you're, being upfront about gonna, catching these guys. Well, you're never going to be able to clamp down on it. In fact, I, I hope the internet remains the wild, wild west. I hope it remains as anonymous as it can be at this point in time. Interesting choice of words. I hope it remains anonymous as it can be as well. On the levels of understanding what the internet can be used for anonymously for the benefit of a bigger picture. Yeah. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the everyday Joes, the drivers who are driving down the highway, going to their nine-to-five job, driving reckless over and over and over again, who think for some reason when they're behind the wheel, they have a sense of entitlement that they don't have when they're not behind a wheel. It, it transfers well, over to the computer. problem with that is morality changes from region to region in our own country in a lot of ways. And, and what I might deem, and we do have freedom of speech, so you... I mean, you can say in people aren't things, opening their mouths, but my, but expressing myself on social media is going to be protected by freedom of speech. The only thing that doesn't is if the business that operates the platform clamps down on it. And so if you're wanting government to make rules for Facebook to have to enforce, I think you're probably having to go that way right now. Um, but well, if you can tie behavior, but that's the only way you can do it is, is whatever platform these people are on or trying to speak on that platform is going to police its, its content. But can't you tie, especially coming off of the last two or three years that we've had, can't you tie certain behaviors or events or actions even back to like root conversations online that may have spurred that or even like content ingested. So let's say like um, the Capitol uh, rioters, like there's a lot of developing sort of analysis of, of what was going on before that day that led up to some of these people rallying together and grouping together online and having um, conversations in the same vein and same rhetoric and the same animosity towards, you know, seeing Trump removed from office or, or losing an election. Um, yeah, so you're, you're, wanting, you're able to reel back the clock and, and it's a track record. Okay. So what are you wanting? Okay. Let's say that, you know, ahead of time, what are you wanting to do? Nudge. There's a problem with that because what if it's, what if it's something legitimately, 
uh, that should be spoken out about, like police violence. What have we? If, no- if yeah. you if you start to police something, you, you know, in, in that way, like I'm I'm right there for you. That is, you could somehow not allow the Trump thing to happen. Uh, awesome, but on the, at the same time, a lot of other movements that you get behind or that are yeah. that are moral are going to have to be policed in the same way. Because then, they go too far as well. Yeah. And so is that beneficial or not beneficial? Mm. I think, I think none of the extremes are beneficial at this point. I would tend to agree with you, but I think extreme behavior also needs to be seen. Yes, but it needs to be unique extreme behavior. And that's, that's been my stance forever. When we were talking about terrorism a year and a half ago, with Maggie and um, Heather on our program as guests, I said, I think we've seen the end of an era of what terrorism looks like. And I'm happy for it because the psychology of a terrorist, at least in the 20th century, from my reading and my understanding of assessing their actions, has been shock, awe, fear, et cetera, et cetera. We've kind of run the gamut of that. Well, so much of it's occurred, it's no longer unique, so it's no longer headline news. Well, even on a even on an emotional level, like after nine eleven, there's only so much that can escalate beyond that point of which they're capable of pulling off that would elicit the same reaction. It's not like you can have a guy um, walk in and like even. So the Boston Marathon bombing was terrible, but it didn't it didn't strike the chord with the large in, in Texas it didn't with the, with the larger hole because we were off not, we were coming off the heels of 9/11 of something like that was extreme to the limit. And so I guess that's that's what I'm going with here is that this sort of behavior that you're seeing online that is extreme because a topic warrants an extreme reaction or because somebody can look at something and say, I'm going to go all the way extreme with this. It's like, if nobody's ever done it before, by all means, we probably need to see it, especially if it can be contained to like the online world where the effect is somewhat minimized as far as reality is concerned and like the physical endangerment of people. Cause like you can get online and say, Oh, all police officers, should be reprimanded or should go through psychological testing or they've got another thing coming because of this. You can get online and you can say that sort of stuff. You can't walk into a police station and say, all of you should uh, perish because of these actions. That's, that's like going, you can, but then you'd get arrested. (laughs) No, no, you, as long as you just said negative things and you didn't break a law, if you put it on a picket sign, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, you might not get a great response, but right. I, but you could do that. I guess you couldn't you could. go in there and threaten. Yeah, but you can online. But you can online. But it's not even that that I'm talking about. It's really the the pedestrian use of the internet. You're gonna have to give me give me an example. What's pedestrian these days? I mean, Facebook to me is very pedestrian, but the entirety of Facebook is pedestrian. But I, I think what you're seeing there, though, is the my guess would be the average age of a Facebook user is probably getting older and older. It is. And the younger crowd is getting further and further away from and Facebook. So, I mean, they have a 
business model problem that they'll have to correct. Yeah. Like sometimes like a, a market or a, cause there's ultimately selling a product sort of corrects itself in a way. And, and that could be, we could be seeing that cause it's no longer fresh or new. The internet could be used to start and support the greatest secret society this world has ever seen. I'm all for secret societies, by the way. I am too. I just don't want them to turn into the next thing and to be, well, could they? No, are they impervious to that treatment? They, they kind of do have fail-safes that prevent bandwagoners and followers from turning them into what they turn everything else into yeah, because it's got to be a secret. Yeah, they sort of discourage followers per se. Yeah. And you can't really talk about the secret society. I mean, you can, but um, no, you can't. You don't. You, don't, you can't reveal, right? But you don't talk about it in a very matter of fact. This is it. This is what happens. Way. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's bulletproof when it comes to the pedestrian approach to things. Well, I mean, there's probably pedestrian types of secret societies. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like the Masons down the street who they may set not up be shop. too pedestrian, but I mean they're kind of pedestrian. They weren't pedestrian three hundred years ago, or to even two hundred. They might have not, not have been pedestrian a hundred years. They ago. are now. They invite anybody off the streets, come yeah. sit and listen to us talk. We need numbers. We need mm. to boost our communities and and traditions have probably changed. They have years. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you hit that thirty third degree. It's just not the same as it used to be. <laughs> doesn't mean the same anymore. <laughs> now you see a guy in an F-150 with the compass square on his license, and you're like, well, guess anybody can be a Mason. Yeah, I guess I've sort of thought that. Yeah. You follow that guy to work, and he works at a at a racetrack, and you're like, really? I, not that I followed. His dad, his dad was a Mason. Oh, and he just got, got the license got him into the, No, I got him into the Masons. Oh. You know, nepotism. Yeah, again, but they didn't used to stand for that. They were against it in the inception. Well, well, generally, though, like your kid followed in your footsteps into the trade, right? On, on yes. a lot of cases. But there was... Things, things have changed. There was merit. There was merit for the kid sure. doing the same thing as what dad did. Now it's just entitlement in some of those situations. Sure. Entitlement. I'm anti-entitlement. I am too. I mean, I feel like gotta earn stuff, man. I don't like, I'm, you're right. I'm not a shortcut fan. I'm, I'm, you, you know, reminded of Jurassic park, you know, it's like when, uh, <laughs> when, uh, what's his name's characters talking about, like you just stole the, the research from other people and you didn't Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum. Thank you. You didn't earn Dr. Malcolm and Malcolm. You didn't earn the knowledge. Right. And and so therefore you're not responsible for what happens. Like that whole thing is very poignant when you think of it, you know, it's very, speaks to a lot of things. And that's so true. I think with, with uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in life that's knowledge based, right? Like the whole idea of like, you know, I, I work for a company that's software, and so teaching 
people how to use the software for people to think, Oh, I should just be able to Google it. And then it's there. It's like, you gotta, in order to be good, you gotta go earn that knowledge. It's not a Google. It's a, it's an investment in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, yeah, life in general is a lot like that. Um, yeah. Like to be a handicapper at the racetrack and you, you've got to spend years developing and honing your skill. It, it's not something you can just walk in and grab a tip sheet and just bet the tip sheet and be good at. You're never, there's a reason the guy with the tip sheets putting out the tip sheet. Cause if he knew, knew how to bet all the winners, he would just bet all the winners when telling one. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, uh, we play ping pong. I, I mean, if you want to be good at that, you got to invest time in that. You can't just buy the best ball and the best ping pong racket right. paddle. And and be good. Yeah, you got to play two or three times a week at, what, at a minimum. And that's what would drive me crazy a little bit. And you got to play people who are better than you. That's true. To get better at ping pong. That's one of the things I love about ping pong. Yeah. You kind of have to. Yeah, absolutely. Or play people who have a different style. They don't necessarily need to be uh, like faster or stronger uh, players than you. But if they have a different style, you add a part of your repertoire uh, of ping pong to your arsenal if you play somebody who you know serves left-handed versus right-handed or throws the ball in the air when he serves or has a harder lower shot there's all these little intricacies anyway yeah and 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 you have to have experience there's no shortcut to that experience right it may be video games in a way or to blame right because in the early days it was cheat codes that allowed you just to kind of skip game genie a lot of the a lot of the you know grunt work sure um, in a video game. Um, and then later on the model would be like, perhaps I have this free online game, but if you buy this and this and this, you can instantly have a character, powerful. a powerful character or, yeah. and look cooler than everyone else. So I understand why you would want to do that from a business standpoint, but you, you kind of teach this thing where people can just jump in and already be good and with, and taking the shortcut by just, you know, this is why you, this is why you like Dungeons and Dragons so much, because you had to start from scratch. Well, you didn't have to. You, even well, then, yeah. you, even then, you had to build your character. You had to roll. You had to spend four hours rolling dice. Yeah, but you could still take a shortcut there by instead of starting oh, sure. with a basic character, you just have create a character those. that's already powerful. You could that's still take true. shortcuts from there. It just wasn't as fun necessarily to do it that way. And all the online role-playing games, same sort of thing. I enjoyed creating the low level and working them up through. I wasn't always the guy that would throw a cheat code or spend money to be like 20th level or 50th level to start off with. What's up? So then you and I... Okay, let me ask you this. I don't like taking shortcuts when it comes to stuff that I enjoy. I only like taking shortcuts when I stand by back, observe something and say, this warrants a shortcut <laughs> because I don't enjoy this all too much. Doing it your way of doing it doesn't make as much sense as well. if you're talking about a shortcut, like instead of me mowing my lawn, I pay somebody 20 bucks to mow my lawn. All right. I'm okay with that shortcut. That's not a shortcut. That's laziness. <laughs> That's fair. You can do that. No, I'm talking about critical thinking shortcuts. There are some, 
again, though, if you're doing something to get to a certain level and not putting in the time to earn the experience oh, and yeah. to earn the knowledge, I agree. it's a bad shortcut. I agree. And the shortcut will fail. Yes. But that's, that's what I want the opportunity to prove is that the shortcuts don't fail if you put in time and effort into research. On, on paper, you're right. But they appear to be shortcuts because they're kind of like pioneer ways of doing things. I don't know, man. Give me an example. You won't like it. <laughs> I don't like most of your ideas. I know because we, because I don't want to talk about this again. Okay. Diet. Yeah. So I don't even, I don't even think there's a shortcut with diet, right? You still have to put in the time to understand nutrition, to buy your food, to cook your food. Like you can't just, you shouldn't just take a shortcut, right? Like, I but that's you, what people do, yeah, like they, out of the gate. No, not out of the gate. Out of the gate. Well, not as an infant, but out of the gate to where you get to pick your own diet and you're like a 12, 13-year-old kid. And you can skip breakfast if you don't like what, what's in the fridge. Or you can go to school and you can you got a couple bucks on you. You can get whatever you want. Those are shortcuts to me. Those are taking – that's taking what's available to you, what's – Given to you on a silver platter. I don't and know said, that that's a shortcut. Those are shortcuts. That's not because a shortcut. it doesn't require any thinking. It just requires motor skill, and there's not even a decision behind it that's yours. It's like yeah, but I don't. I still don't think that's a shortcut. But it's not a, 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 a shortcut. A, diet, a dietary shortcut would be to take a pill that would allows you to eat anything and everything you want. Okay, but, and, and still be healthy. That's a shortcut, right? So the bigger okay, the bigger thing here is. When it comes to diet, let's just say the end goal is to have a healthy, functioning body and system for yourself and healthy mind, working mind. Let's just say that's the unofficial goal for the unconscious body and the unconscious mind. It's like, from day one, regardless of what people's opinions are or freedoms or whatever, just throw that out, out the window for a second. And the body's goal in life is to be as healthy as possible. And the mind's goal in life is to be as healthy as possible. Out of the gates, what we do as far as diet's concerned is we avoid the work that is required to attain that. And we take whatever is easily accessible to us and right in front of us. This is why they put certain okay. items on certain shelves yeah, but I'm gonna, at grocery stores. But I'll go back to this. That That's 50,000 years of evolution. The caveman living in a cave can only eat what's near him and he has, and he can get, and he's going to eat whatever's easiest to get to fill him up. He's not going to be concerned with <laughs> He just needs food. Right. But what's closest to you now is the refrigerator. Okay. You get to choose what goes into the refrigerator. It takes you a while to go to a grocery store. It takes you just as equal time to go to a market as it does to a grocery store. The The difference is almost, it's not in the ease of physical accessibility. It's the It's the conditioning of like... Where would you... It's almost like people yeah, but, are embarrassed but, to go to a market. Because it's if more. If there's nothing healthy in your refrigerator, you're telling me you never just go. I just need something. I'm just going to eat it anyway. And you, you you go to the store every single time. That's what fast foods for. That's why you have that middleman there. 
to say, oh, there's nothing in the refrigerator I want. I don't want to put the effort in to go get something healthy at the store. Oh, halfway between me and the Tom Thumb, there's a McDonald's, saying, an Arby's. Take, take, the, take that out of it. You, your refrigerator in the store. Every time you're going to the store, you're not going to take the shortcut of just eating what's in the refrigerator because that's what's, because you just don't want to go to the store. I do. I'm going to be, I'll freely I go, admit it. I go to the store uh, I twice the a day store. sometimes. I, store. I like the grocery store. I mean, I'm a once a week grocery store. I hate going more than that. Like, but, you but if know, you go around this time of night, there's hardly anyone there. Well, most places aren't open at this time of night. Either. Yeah, post COVID, sucks. You I don't miss, like it? I, I miss my twenty-four hour grocery store. Absolutely miss it. But you see, how can you not see that there's like a bigger economical shift being encouraged because of what's happened with COVID? And it's it's kind of just helped it be expedited. A lot of these stores probably weren't making a ton of money. Staying open 24 hours previous to COVID. Like, you can probably count 1% of the traffic was after 2 a.m., between 2 and 6 a.m. at a grocery store. 1% of their daily traffic, if that. Do you, do you think somebody just in corporate was like, why are we doing this? Why are we staying open for the guy who likes to boogie bump people? <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> like, seriously. Why were grocery stores open 24 hours in the first place? For a dozen people and stockers? They don't need to keep it open to customers for people to come in and stock. Well, I think the only reason they're not open now is staffing. Yeah, but it's like two birds with one stone. They're realizing, is what I'm saying, that, oh, this is better for us. No, things have shifted. You have less people coming into the store, more people ordering things for online pickup or delivery. Yeah. You, You have a whole shift that occurred. You didn't just have... But the electric bills that they, well, they still keep the lights on. They had on to keep the lights over for the stockers. There were probably stockers in the store stocking anyway after the, it's not like they closed at 10 p.m. and everybody went home. I think everybody's just out for shortcuts these days. Mm. And you're right. Shortcut is one of those words that has been hijacked by the mass population and misinterpreted. And what it's turned well, into is now we call them disgusting. Hacks, life hacks. Right. It's not a life hack. No, I mean some of them. Some of them make sense. Some of them are. Some of them are okay. I just hate taking a word like hack and applying it to things that aren't a hack. Do you have any life hacks? No. You don't have any life hacks you want to share with us? No. It's just terminology. And generally, it. You want to look some life hacks up and see what some 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 life hack knowledge is like and and, and, and laugh at it and go through that. Yeah, um, let's laugh at it. Oh, did you know there's a website called lifehack.org? No. There is. <laughs> Why would you ever want to do this? Okay, this one's kind of useful. I read a lot of books with uh, highlighter stains. So they've got one for removing highlighter stains. Cut a lemon in half, get some juice on a cotton swab, run the swab over the highlighted text, and watch the color fade. Yeah, but I bet you like nine times out of ten, it doesn't really fade. It doesn't work. Like you end up like destroying the ink. 
Tie a small piece of bright colored fabric to your luggage. Saves a lot of time if you check your bag at the airport. Whoa. My life just changed. Revolutionary. Maybe perhaps I shouldn't buy the bag that looks like everyone else's. (laughs) Saying. Yeah, I don't see many I'm interested in. You don't have any personal life hacks? No. See, I think my whole way of life is a life hack. And that's the problem. That's why, from the outsider's point of view, unless you really know me, it looks like I'm taking shortcuts. My way of life shouldn't... No, I won't say that. Here's another one. Use a rubber band to keep a door from latching. So if you don't want the door to latch, just use a rubber band. Whoa! Never could have thought about that. Never would have wanted to. Ever. But like, this is the garbage that gets paraded around like it's life-changing. Well, I feel the same way about memes. I hate memes. Um, memes can be funny. No. Yeah. Yeah, they can be. But I'm right there with you. It's like after anything semi-popular on the that's captured enough people's attention, the next thing you know, you have 50 memes of yeah. some screenshot or face of a... It's That part drives me insane. I'm right there with you. But the memes you find funny. Can you think of one that you remember? Probably not. So then, has it really stuck with you? I created a meme for my family. I'm not surprised. Was it like uh, for greeting cards or for holidays? No, it was, we were on a fishing trip and, uh, and I'm, I've got my camera and, uh, just taking some pictures, right? And a fish hits it's the line. So my uncle's reeling this fish in. And I'm capturing this whole thing, you know, on on, on film. It's it's going. Anyways, he kind of lifts the fish out of the water. It comes off the hook. Oh. And it flops onto the bank. Well, the bank's kind of steep and it's headed back to the water. And he's so he gets between it and the water. And, then, <laughs> and of course the fish is slippery. And so it's like this whole sequence of him trying to keep this fish on land while it's trying to get back in the water while he falls into the water that I, I created a meme. It was that's pretty good. Hilarious. Yes. Okay. But, but, it, but it's something hilarious to my family. It's not. Yeah. It's an inside hilarious joke. Hilarious to. Well, it's, it's still funny. But you said you created a meme. So did you do it in the traditional sense of like you added words? Yeah. Okay. So here's my problem with meme. It's a combination of words and visual, right? Yes. If you take the words away, is the visual still funny in memes? Um, sometimes. Okay. If you take the visual away, are the words still interesting? No, no you need both. Hmm. Really? You've got to have the visual with the words because it's usually ironic, right? Usually. But that's not what memes have turned into now. Maybe that's a good meme. What memes have turned into now is people sort of expressing their thoughts on something via meme. Yeah, that's bound to happen. But you why do they to me on Saturday morning? <laughs> why do they tell, tell me that in a second? But <laughs> tell me how, please. Uh, well, why do people you need sent me a fake picture followed by a text? But anyway, go ahead. A fake picture? Huh? Matt, you sent me a picture followed by text. Oh, yeah. Is that a meme? S- sort of meme-like. Kind of meme-like. Yeah. That's just the future. 
Right. That's what people We're are gonna, gonna skip do. memes. We're just gonna go here's yeah, the picture, here's break the it, text. here's the picture, here's the text. Because I mean that's that's kind of how imagery works, right? I tell you the words, and if I'm talking about it, if I'm giving you a story or uh, something that happened in my life, I, I'm not drawing it as I'm talking. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt of being able to conjure up a visualization of the words that I'm doing. Now, the internet says, oh, okay. People who can't express their words so greatly can express themselves through memes easier, which is a shortcut. The problem I have with the memes getting emotions and perspectives and opinions out is like, you could have just taken the words, removed the picture, and told me what was on your mind. Like, the internet's open to that. You can hop on Twitter, and it's just words. You can't really put a meme on Twitter. You can put a picture. You can can put a picture. Throw a GIF on there. Yeah, you can throw a GIF, you can throw a picture. But the platform itself, its foundation is just words. And people don't do that. They just retweet memes instead. There's accounts that haven't said a single thing, and all they do is retweet pictures. Yeah, I don't even do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's... I I find it fascinating. I think there's a bigger underlying issue with self-expression and people don't know how to do it all too well. Well, that's hard. What do you I mean? mean? Well, I mean, for instance, we have to be reminded that we should take a picture of a business card that people hand you just in case you lose it. I mean, we're told these stupid life hacks. Okay, that's a dumb life hack. Well, it's it's you know what it's like? It's like those little sayings your grandparents had have just become life hacks. Yeah, this picture was kind of a meme. It was. <laughs> it was. I took a picture of some litter, a bag, fast food bag, and a nasty Hawaiian punch, half drunk, 44 ounce cup out in front of this guy's car. I know it was this guy's car who littered. And then what did I say? At least now I can label the people who do this as clinically being too dumb to know better. Because previous to that, I had sent you a scientific article talking about how fat and obesity has been linked to cognitive decline, memory failing, and in general, cognitive decline. And so then I went, of course, beyond that and said, maybe people litter because they're too dumb to do anything else. Because the fat food has gone to their brain. And all I said, you've made a large leap. Correct. But what if that leap is there to be made? And I just mm. connected the dots in advance. Of. Okay, it might be true in 1% of people, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that, that it's right. No, but what if that person is littering because he's too dumb to not litter? Oh, no, they're littering for other vain reasons, like they don't want that smell in their car. I was thinking about that litter for quite some time, psychologically. What if people... Abuse- That's why I asked that litterer that I saw. And, that, and I treated them poorly because of their stupid answer. I didn't treat the, this person poorly. I picked up their shit and I no, threw it out. Yeah, no, Well, you didn't have a chance to treat them poorly. So if that person comes out and he says, he or she says, where's my litter? <laughs> you th- you don't Actually, think that's more aggravating? No, they're like, 
I knew somebody picked it up. Oh. <laughs> they're thinking, man, what a what Well, no, because their, mem- no, their memory's been affected, so they don't yeah. remember that they littered in the first oh, place. Oh, they remember. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it over and over again. Look, I don't, I'm not a fat shamer. Ever. Whatever. I really am not. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't want to be labeled as that, because I'm not. Nope, slapping the label on you. <laughs> but I enjoy being able to link behavior to choice scientifically speaking so i don't like bad decisions or bad choices and when i say that what's going on in your mind is well how does he know what a bad choice who is he to say what a bad choice is or what a bad decision is right but we don't listen to sasha and what he says much like people don't listen to morgan <laughs> what he says but people do listen to what science says for the, the the majority, when it comes to behavioral stuff, they're sort of the quote unquote authority on things. That's not true. Well, otherwise we wouldn't have an obesity situation in the country. That's that alone proves. N- well, no, this th- is wrong. Those studies and the, that research isn't making its way down to those people. They don't. It's out there. You learn it in school. You learn about the four food groups and groups and the freaking. Whatever pyramid you right. learn all that stuff, right? You learn about your grains, your dairy, your vegetables, your yes, fruits. All it's that. taught, to and you. then your grains turn into honey nut Cheerios or honey bunches of oats, and you're like, oh, cool, I can do this and still eat my grains. And then your dairy turns into chocolate milk or fat yogurt or cheese. <laughs> I love all I of bet, them. I bet your dairy intake, mentally, you're like, oh, I got my dairy intake for the day. I ate this quarter block of cheese or these nachos. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You, you, see, the food groups weren't detailed enough about like the fact that there's unhealthy portions of this food group. Actually, there are. Back in 1988, General Mills, when the food groups like first started rolling out in the late 80s and you had your little triangle. I'm pretty sure it happened before then. Nah, it was the 80s. Go ahead and look it up. It was 85, 86. For what? For the food pyramid. I think the food pyramid's been around a little longer than that, <laughs> my friend. So what you're saying Let's is look it, up. it didn't happen until I was in high school. Food pyramid. I'm saying, yeah, it was around that time where it was color-coded and the grains and... Yeah, I would imagine that started before then. Like, that probably started... The USDA food pyramid was created in 1992 and divided into six horizontal sections containing depictions of foods from each section's food group. So it was while you were in high school. No, I wasn't in high school then. You weren't in high school in 92? No, I graduated before that. Oh! You are as old as I think you are. So here's how diet, here's how nutrition works in this country, like everything else, like technology. Back then in 1992, you had these companies that didn't need to, they weren't feeling the pressure from the general public to change their product lines like they feel it now. The food pyramid, you could argue, started the trend of conscious eating or being aware that companies were kind of putting out a bunch of shit in the middle of the grocery stores is all shit 
by the way. There's not a single item in the middle of the grocery You could go to a grocery store and do the contour of the grocery store and get all your food pyramid items that you need. And then skip the whole middle. But why I say this works like technology and the slow release of technology to the general population is the awareness of the ins and outs of these groups. Vegetables, grains, fruits, dairy, meat, beans, all that. It evolves over time into, um, some people would say cherry picking or nitpicking, but it just evolves over time into, oh, this is what's good about this particular group. This is what I should get from this particular group. This is how nutrition works. This is why it gets very confusing to the general population over time is because you're asking them to change a behavior like you've suggested that they have been conditioned to for 15 to 20 years on a dime. You're asking them to say, hey, cheese isn't what you should be getting your daily dairy intake from. You shouldn't count 7-Eleven liquid cheese as your dairy intake for the day. Yeah, I don't drink or eat 7-Eleven <laughs> cheese. I know you don't. But there's somebody out there who's like unconsciously saying 2,000 calories, all of this food, and doing it like as unhealthily as you possibly can. And that's where you get the obesity epidemic. So... Okay, I just said a lot of um bullshit. No, no, it's not it's not <clears throat> bullshit. I said a lot of stuff without um without details um and without a particular simplified version of it yet. Cuz it's tough. You can go to McDonald's, you can order a cheeseburger. And according to the food pyramid, you're getting your meat, you're getting your um, grains, and you're getting your dairy. To the low consciousness population, that's enough. That's okay. They've tricked people into thinking that the unhealthy stuff still is sustainable in a 2,000-calorie diet with the food pyramid. And it's not clearly because of the obesity numbers, the well, heart attacks, the yeah, high but cholesterol. I, I would suggest their intake of, of calorie, their caloric intake is far exceeding 2000 calories in a day. Couple that with no exercise. Even if it wasn't is my argument, it would still be unhealthy. So if they were doing 2000 calories a day and they were doing it on a McDonald's diet, well, you saw supersize me. But that's okay. But the guy went in with an agenda to prove a certain thing. And it's a documentary that you can cut and slice and get the result that you want to put out there. I, I don't, of course. You're going to be significantly unhealthy if you eat unhealthy food every day. It's not just McDonald's. I, don't, I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm just saying that I don't know that that's what I would hang my hat on. I mean, he could have ordered the salad at McDonald's every single time. Would he have gotten fat still? That's one of the more unhealthy salads, period, is my statement. Because McDonald's isn't in the business of converting their 
clientele into healthy eaters. So they have to make an McDonald's as unhealthy of a salad. McDonald's well, let's look even... at the calories in a salad at McDonald's. Because okay. I guarantee it's in the six, seven hundred range for all of their salads, well, unless you're talking about a side. It's salad. only if you're adding it's only if you're adding dressing. And more specifically, probably like ranch dressing, which is fairly common. High in calorie content. Which is the go to for the layman, by the way. I love ranch, ranch dressing. Well, <laughs> No. Ranch dressing's like a condiment, bro. It goes with everything. I grilled cheese sandwiches and ranch dressing, pizza yeah, crust and ranch I dressing. Want, I don't want to get into the nutrition talk. Sure you do. Bacon ranch grilled chicken salad. Dressing not included? Five hundred calories. That's not a bad meal. And there's they're You throw the calories on it, seven hundred calories. That's great. But like the Who's gonna big, eat a salad without the dressing? But like a Big Mac meal is like twelve 150 calories or 13. So my whole point is, is if he ate nothing but salads for a whole month at McDonald's, he's as unhealthy as he was. No, he's not. Okay. I might even suggest to you that had he had a set of exercise regimen that whole time, he might not have had the same results. Okay. And we might underestimate our body's ability when we're exercising to regulate to, All the unhealthy to yeah, to pull what it needs and get rid of what it doesn't need. You're suggesting that the body has this innate ability to exert karma on our poor no, decisions. Not. No, a balance, an equilibrium. No. Well, it can equal. You're suggesting it can balance things out. If you are exercising, you put the effort. Okay. If you're not exercising, it's not going to help you. The exercise is, has the karma, key. not necessarily mm. the other stuff having karma. What about mental health? I don't, I don't, I mean, Cause I, I don't these, really tie necessarily nutrition specifically back to mental health either. Well, how many are, or how much, research, how long is it going to take? <laughs> See, I go from one to the other to the other. I have to do this. Eventually, you'll have to. Because in why? Well, because as the science evolves, Again. the links will be like undeniable, and and that's based on being able okay, to go one it, extreme and one. The only other. way this works is if you take Mensa members and you put them on a bad diet and you test them at the end, and here's your results. That's not happening in any of these studies. It's happening in personal studies. Okay. From, you, a, from a non-Mensa member. That's that's actually not true. It's <laughs> 100% true. I am a Mensa member. You are not. I'm a Mensa member. Let me see your card. You don't have a card. Yeah, I don't want to be labeled. I don't have a card either. I'm a secret Mensa oh, okay. member. <laughs> no. Tell, their tests are biased. In order for this to occur on a mass scale, Plus, people there's, would there's have too to many, fast. There's too many environmental factors that go into this stuff. Like in yeah. all these studies, you're not with this person 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in a lot of cases, you're taking their word for what is happening. That's fair. Because you don't really have a choice. You can't monitor them yeah, every can. little step of the way. I'm just saying. But you can. 
monitor them every step of the way. We, that's what you do in a research group. You monitor them every step of the way. No, you don't. Like a lot of a lot of research stuff is they come in once a week and you talk to them. And they might have had to keep a log while they were at home, but, but they're you're not still taking their word. You're for still it. taking their word for it. You're not monitoring them 24/7. You st- Well, then <clears throat> can't we get fun with it with the surveillance technology that we have? Well, I mean, you would the ideal things to put them all in a a dorm type situation and keep everybody under the same roof under the same conditions. And this is beyond just the diet nutrition talk, even though I think cool results could come of it. But can't we do that with so much stuff right now? Can't we use pockets of society, parts of the world, individuals even, and say, hmm, I'm going to turn, because observation's a big deal when it comes to science. If you bring someone in and you let it be known that they're a part of a research study, right off jump, their behavior may be altered or their natural approach to the set of circumstances may be skewed, much like the electrons themselves behave differently when observed versus not. So wouldn't, I don't, nobody listens to this show, so I'm not giving away spilling beans. Wouldn't we take advantage of the anonymity factor of observance, something like the internet or even surveillance technology can provide us now? And wouldn't we want to turn everything into, like, research of the human species? Not, not really. Why? What if it can help everything in the long run? Well, it would just be used to advertise to everyone. Yeah, but that's if they got their hands on... The, and they would. But they don't have the prowess or the ability to pull the research off and actually deduce... Sure they do. No, they're doing all kinds of research. may not be scientific research, but they're doing all kinds of research. Yeah, well, why not do the scientific research from the science? So the scientific realm has never really, they've tried, but one of their big roadblocks over the course of many centuries has been delving into consciousness and getting into the science of consciousness. Don't we have the ability to do that now? Like, quietly and discreetly? What for? To amplify it? Okay. How does to that To nudge it along? To do what? To see the results of what somebody... What's the end goal? If you ask me, I believe reality and the constructs of the world that we have to live in is a byproduct of consciousness when it comes to both individuals and the masses. It's kind of like a a mixture and throw in nature, of course. But when it comes to the reality that we navigate day to day in Western society, it's kind of like it's our own creation of sorts. Um, The roads that we drive on, the stores that we walk into, the jobs that we inhabit, These are all things that somewhere along the way, somebody or some group of people had the idea to build this building, start this company, pave this road. That's not consciousness. It's an idea. 
it's a thought. They're all they're all rooted in thoughts. And in twenty years, we won't be making those thoughts per se. Who AI? Well, then you're suggesting that AI will be conscious in twenty years. No, but it'll be making those thoughts and decisions probably for us. It doesn't have to have consciousness to do that. Well, that's a grim scenario because the, what that is um, suggesting is stagnation and that AI no, no, is no, just no. going to be trained. The human mind is stagnation. AI right. elevates it. But it'll just be doing what the human mind's been doing for 200 years. Like it, I don't, it, I don't it, get it, how AI driving a truck is an advancement when human beings been doing it for a hundred years. Well, AI can read, I don't know, a million medical books in hours, whereas an actual doctor takes eight years. You're telling me, and it can run thousands of scenarios a second, whereas a human can only run one or two. And you're telling me leaps and bounds yeah. of information aren't going to come from that in the medical realm. Yes, absolutely. In any realm that re- that requires some sort of aggregation of information. There aren't too many realms in it's the human about, world that require That's about everyone. We're just talking about diet. Here you go. Right. So if AI comes out and says and changes everything we know yeah. about diet, then we're going to start listening? Yeah, probably. That's what it takes. I don't know if we're not necessarily going to going to listen, but maybe uh, I mean maybe it makes more sense at that point in time. See, now what if AI messes with the food supply of the United States so that diet can be corrected, so that nutrition can once again be a part of our lives? Yeah, though nutrition is a part of our lives. Well, I mean nutrition, optimal nutrition can be um realized once again. I don't know that that's ever been the case ever in the history of ever. But what if a food crisis comes about and it's completely orchestrated by artificial intelligence with the intent of getting everyone on a healthier track than what they've been on? Yeah, that that would be a human mind controlling that and that person would be considered evil, I think. Dang. But then in 50 years, people's life expectancy balloons up from 76 to 96, and that person who was programming that AI is still evil? Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, because nutrition will not determine human life expectancy. Huh? It won't. It does. It won't. At some point, you're going to be able to print a new liver. You're going to be able to print a new heart. You're going to be able to print whatever you want. Or you can just go with the old metal bones. And it really won't freaking matter because we'll be cyborg. We'll be in a computer. <laughs> this is bad this nutrition. Is outlandish bad for nutrition the next 50 will be years. overcome. This is outlandish for the next fifty years. I don't to think that that's, maybe fifty years, but it's not much further down the road than that. We're already there in a lot of ways. No. Okay. Why do you want to be there? When, because it's a shortcut. Why do you I, want to excuse? I don't want to be there. I'm a realist. I can look and see and tell you this is where we're going to be. But that's a shortcut. Well, that's because everyone in the world, what do they want? Shortcuts. They don't want to have to earn anything. And we just got done saying shortcuts backfire. Yeah, but it's not time. going to matter because we're not going to be doing the thinking anymore. AI will be doing <laughs> our thinking for us. <laughs> that's another shortcut. Get ready. Oh, I've I've thought it's a great idea if AI could align with my thoughts. 
I don't think AI can force my thought. I don't think AI can commandeer my thought. No, it's, well, we'll try to use it to make life better, but the people who have that, um, have that control also control which way the AI thinks. Right. It makes it, makes it better or not better. No, it makes it better. Not always. Always. There'll be negative things that come out with it. Those will be the lesser programs. With any innovation that affects the way we live, there are negative effects every single time. Yes. There will be with this, too. There will be negative impacts. There'll be unique negative impacts, though, because they'll never have been experienced before. Because it's a unique... Well, yeah, typically when you have something new, it does... It's unique. ...make something unique, yeah. So we don't know that there'll be negative, like in the historical sense. Sure we do. Well, no, because this is, you just got done saying the AI. History tells us whatever technology gets added and makes a change to culture has negative impact every single time. This will, it's already having negative impact right now. And that's the algorithms that are within social media at this point in time, these are the early days. Oh, this yeah. is the negative of AI happening right now. But that's the, that's because of the transition that we're coming from and the current economic state of well, the country. What it's, it's the whole infrastructure that we've been built on I mean, mixing with what's coming, not really jiving. Well, AI is not meant to be strictly capitalistic tool. It's just that's what we're conditioned to turn it into because that's what we've been for 50, 70 years. That's not what we've always been. So once AI gets into the concepts of what this country stood for pre-industrial revolution or once it gets a grasp of what is to come and it can sort of leave the present and the – well, not the present. Leave the immediate modern past. As like, like you were suggesting, it can run through all these medical analyses and um, configurations and all that very quickly. I think it can do the same thing with like decisions of which route to take for optimal infrastructure building and optimal economic landscaping in the future or what job sure. markets are sure. needed, it'll, what's it'll not know, necessary. It'll know historical temperatures. It'll tell you if this job materials is around from a waste. Yes. And it can build the building a million times, a million different ways, and give you the most optimal result. But it can crash industries. It will. It can crash. collapse industries. It will. Industries quickly. And it, and it will. And it should. Yeah, I agree with you. That's not evil. But that's not necessarily a negative impact. What negative impact are you talking about? I mean, deep fakes are AI. Oh. Can you spot a deep fake now? When you see the fucking bowling ball okay. twirling in the air, knocking a bunch of pins down, and it's a robot arm, come on. You knew that was a deep fake right away. You thought the um, the deep fake that, uh, what was that TV show put out with uh, Michael B. Jordan TV. sitting and talking, but they put Obama over him. You, you know that tricked a bunch of people, right? I deep, deep fakes are just getting better and better. You will are not. You, are you a deep fake, Morgan? You will you will not be able to tell the difference between a deep fake and real news. You will not. Huh? You will not. 
I don't know how that's no, no way. The better the technology gets, the quicker AI learns it, the the harder and harder and harder it becomes to, to believe. Do you get those uh, robocalls still on your phone yeah. from like uh, your car warranty and all that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So can you tell when it's like a pre-recorded human versus a robot? I don't answer them, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, I enjoy immersing myself. <laughs> yeah, not, not not bothering. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't, but I find it kind of fun sometimes to listen to the strategies implemented. And this is bottom of the barrel, like sure. Indian bot farms that are sure it's fear, completely fear-based. Fear-based. Yeah, making you fearful of something happening so you'll buy this. Or oh, the warrant. Yeah, your car warranty is expired. Oh, no. But <laughs> what are they trying to get me to buy? <laughs> like, if you actually went through with it and you called the number, if there is a number, I don't make it that far. But, like, if you actually go through the entire process, it's just fishing, isn't it? They're just trying to fish. If they keep you on the sell phone. A product. Well, what are they trying to sell? Well, a car warranty people are trying to sell you a car warranty <laughs> that they know no one will ever use. And they've probably got certain clauses of... in there that, you know, so if something really happens to your car, somehow it's not covered by the warranty. Unbelievable. I mean, that is the insurance game, essentially. Again, insurance companies are already transitioning, right? Because at some point, self-driving cars are probably going to be around and they'll lose auto insurance probably. Um, perhaps even smart homes become smart enough to protect themselves from damage or whatever, right? So they're already selling cyber insurance. And like every major business has to have cyber insurance right now. <laughs> Not going to help them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're making... This I guarantee you they're making as much money right now on cyber insurance as they are oh, yeah. on anything else. No, I'm I'm saying um sort of like in a Dr. Evil voice in my head. Not gonna help them if AI deems their industry is not conducive of making it to the twenty second century. Well, AI won't make those decisions. Oh yes, it will. No, they won't. I think twenty second century and beyond. AI, I've alluded to this before, it will diagnose whether the decisions are up to humans or not. AI could, AI is to the point where it could say, oh, I want this person, this person, this person, this person, and this person who are spread out across the world to form a secret society. And I'm going to get them to cross paths whether in person, in real life, or online. And that's like 20, that's like the year 3000. Why can't it be now? It, it's, it can't, it wouldn't be now. It can be. How could it be? It is. You don't even have, you don't even have internet in half the, in half the world. Well then. So how does AI get, get to. Well then you the, don't the qualify. Genius. Well you don't oh, qualify. Okay. So we just ignore those geniuses. For the okay. time being, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> For the, so terrible. For the time being. But perhaps we communicate with them via another platform. Maybe the show makes its way to them. No. They, they don't have internet. internet. Damn. 
We're not on radio. Well, that's why that's where, we should get a ham radio. That's where broadcasting over <laughs> ham radio. I've thought about us being the number one trucker podcast across the oh nation. Oh God, truckers would hate us, bro. I know, but being hated by truckers isn't such a bad thing when it comes to like the numbers we would do. Oh my God. No. No, they they don't. They're, and that's an audience that's dwindling anyway. That's true. <laughs> we'll be the number one AI robot trucker podcast. <laughs> yes. Hey, those bots are gonna need. They're gonna need something gonna need to listen some data to. to. They're gonna need some data to crack on while some they're his, driving. Historical data. Yeah. I've always liked the idea of being fact checked when it comes to concepts, theories, um, ideas. That's why I like the show. I like running the mill of like all of these thoughts that I have. And it's not all of them, it's a fraction of them, to be honest. But I like hearing your feedback, whether it's, you know, uh, facetious or like, eh, okay, let's see where this conversation goes, or whether it's, that's a dumb idea. I like the idea of having something that can do that technologically. Something that can tell me, hey, that's a good idea. Continue. Well, I don't know that it's going to say this is a good idea. I think what it does is it says, here's what I've gathered from this information. What if it nudges? I, I, what if it quietly observes? I think we'd have to nudges. have a conscience to be able to nudge. And I don't, and at this point in time, I don't think that's going to be possible. But it nudges in the inverse already with, um, well, that's because propaganda. humans have told it, do it, to do nudge. this. Right. So all humans have to do is tell it to do this. But but that's still so flawed. That is so 100% flawed that you don't even want to even touch. But I don't see it. You want Mark flaw. Zuckerberg telling you this is the way life no, should be? No, because he's already tried. And this well, is the he result. Hasn't, he hasn't tried. Well, this is the result. This is the of, result of him telling you, stay on my platform, stay on my platform, stay on my platform. But but before, we're not, he's not telling you how to live. No, he's not that's telling what he you, wanted going he's not in. Tell, he's not telling you this building goes here, this medical thing is here. and that he's, not, he's not doing any of that. That's what Silicon Valley set out to do to begin with. That's what California's done. I mean, they're the embodiment. It, it works all its way up. Silicon Valley is this tiny little pocket of California that thinks it's got everything figured out. So we've said, okay. Go ahead and show us how Silicon you got things. Silicon Valley figured. is a place that decided early on we should be tax friendly to tech companies. That's what Silicon Valley is. Yeah, but the mines and the people that inhabit that area are Don't, people who aren't even tied to that area anymore. Right. But when they were there, they had an idea for Running the, the way world? that the world should go. Are, are you kidding me? You don't think Bill Gates and Steve Jobs had bigger aspirations and they weren't necessarily like evil Hitler aspirations about like, Hey, these ideas, Bill, they're good enough to change the world. If we implement them this way in this way, that's not malevolent. They've changed the world with their ideas. But it's an, it's an idea about a product, not an idea about how it should be used right. or how everyone's going to use it. And manipulating culture. I know, but now we've taken the step back and like everything, every other technology, 
And this is where it gets like redundant. Where do we put our foot down? At a certain point, you kind of have to because you you give these advents of technology one after another, printing press, vehicles, uh, internet, computers, and you give the free reign to everyone. You step back and you say, okay, what will be will be. But then when you observe in hindsight and you see the negative that arises out of it, there's no, it shouldn't be against the rules to say, okay, the next time we have a technological leap, we've seen all of the negatives like consistently streamed through all of these technological leaps in the last 500 years. We know that if we just give free reign to everyone to use it for what they want, that there's going to be certain ugly negatives that aren't unique because they've been running through the course of history. You can make it so where it's bulletproof to that same negative. No, you can't. Sure you can. No, you can't. It works on a on an intellectual uh, higher level. That's you have, all. You have no way of anticipating everything before as things start to go. You have no way of making any anticipation on everything that could possibly go wrong. You have no way. No, but you can predict the, the You can predict that it's going there's going to be something bad. I can predict that. I can't tell you what's going to be bad and I can't tell you how to not make it to where it's not bad. That is impossible. You can make it to where the extreme negative reaction you don't even know is what not the negative, possible. You don't even know what the negative is going to be. So you can prognosticate. Because you can prognosticate. You, you have no idea how it's going to impact. What if you can personally, the creator of the technology itself, go from one spec end of the spectrum to the other? What if you can cover the entirety of it? You, what, no human on the face of this planet is, is capable of doing what you're suggesting. Not one. So what you're saying is if I had this revolutionary idea for a technological platform or a mode of communication or, or whatever it was, just a technological advancement in the next 50 years, that I myself couldn't spend 20 years of time developing it saying, okay, if I was a bad guy, here's how I would use this. And I can't simulate that in the confines of my own consciousness and say, okay, let me go all out evil bad guy here for a year or two and see how I use my technology and then work in fail safes to prevent that from occurring. Let's say there's a hundred things that could go wrong. You could maybe catch 25 of them, 30 of them. That's it. You're not going to be able to think, and this comes from life experience, you're not even going to be able to consider how someone might look or use that piece of technology. You're going to, you're going to see somebody use it and you're going to go, in a million trillion years, I would have never thought to do that. But, you, but now you have, the difference is now in 2021, you have data on how those people have used every other form of technology. But the behavior is going to change with a new piece of technology. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this loop that we're in here. I mean, everybody knows how to, I mean, we've had programmers now for, well, legitimately for 40, 50 40, years. Yeah. Yet every piece of new software that comes out has a bug in it. Why? Job security. 
So we build bugs in on purpose for job security. Really? In some areas, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No, you don't build it in on purpose. That's the most retarded thing I've heard out of your mouth in a Are while. Are you serious? A software? So you don't think like, people designing software that requires a staff of like 20 to 50 people for uh, customer service where issues hey, and guess, guess what? Guess where I really make a ton of freaking money by not having to have any customer service people because my product's perfect and I don't I need a support staff. Right. Right. But if I build in bugs, now I have to have but you don't have a support bit, staff. But you don't have a business if you don't have the support staff. Sure I do. No, well, you don't have a multi-million dollar churning. Do. No, you just sell a product and you're done. You don't need to charge a $300 for support on a monthly basis because there's no support needed. No, I'm charging you $10 to have my my app every month. No. I'm charging you a subscription no, fee. You're charging Absolutely. them a million dollars to use a perfect, flawless system. No, I'm and charging... And then your hands off. No, no. Subscription. I want. I don't want a one-time lump sum. Are you... That's, that's not smart. It's flawless. No, that's... It's absolutely flawed, 100% flawed. No, no. What, the, I, want the is, is what I want is, is a million people paying me $5 a month for the rest of their lives. But I, then they're going to want enhancements. Okay. Every, the, the product's perfect out of the gate. I, I get what you're saying. When no business creates a piece of software with bugs on purpose. Not one does it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They don't. I'm just using this as an example. You have all these, you have several decades now of experience in in programming things. And when they come out, they still have things that are not right because you can't anticipate every little thing. That's my whole point. So when the new technology hits, you cannot anticipate every little thing. You cannot eliminate the negative. The only thing you really should do is prepare for the negative to happen and try to be ready for it when it does happen. Interesting. Because you know it's going to be there. In your, I know you don't want to talk work and we're not going to, but in your particular line of work, your advantage where you're at now, which is behind the scenes um, software development sector versus end user sector. Well, it's in between. Yeah. Okay. Your advantage is that you've had a history of end user. Yeah, that's my foot in the door. Uh Uh-huh. Why can't the creator of said technology have both the creator element that he or she has now worked his way, his or her way into, but also have the end user history of saying, oh, okay, I can anticipate the things that are going to go wrong like you do in your current position. Well, you know what happens every day in my current position, right? Uh Uh-huh. I, I see something that an end user does and I goes, why in the world would anyone use it this way? Right. I can't anticipate it with all my experience. But you can tell them you're using it incorrectly. And you do. Perhaps they're not. Okay. Have, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, so what you're saying, it, and, and you know, the answer sometimes is, well, it works. It lets me. So if I come out with a new technology and it lets somebody do X, Y, Z, I can't prevent that from happening. Right. That's why. The negative will happen. That's just your cynical side. That's my realistic side. Cynical. Realistic. (laughs) (laughs) 
but your your realistic side is based on experience and observation. Yes, and that may be rooted in cynicism. No, not necessarily. Technolog- technologically speaking, it might okay. be. Okay. Prove because that's wrong. what you show me something that has proved me wrong. Well, I can't. Yeah, because it doesn't exist. Because if but, I so something doesn't exist. No, right? it does exist. If it's something doesn't exist, that that's then that's reality. Well, it exi- that it doesn't exist. It that's exists, not me Morgan. going. That's not me going. Oh, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. That's reality saying it, this, this thing bad has happened. But it exists. The technology I'm speaking of exists. I I just it doesn't exist. Part part of the fail proof, bulletproof aspect of it is not discussing it in detail right now, because if you do that, then you open the floodgates to people who aren't. Then it's like introducing a 16k TV to somebody who's just adjusting to 4k, or whatever the future of streaming music looks like, or whatever the future of communication looks like. We can tackle all of these in a realistic approach. Because we have the last 20, 40, 60, 100 years to say, oh, we went from here to here in that time. We went from here to here in that time. Here's where, realistically, we're going to go in the next 50 years. You think medically, in some aspects, 50 to 100 years, we're going to be printing organs and we're going to be... Yes. Okay. All I'm saying is that the equivalent to that on the communication level of technology it's not like you're going to be printing organs that inject poison into someone a a month or two after they're put into their body that that technology is going to be fail-proofed and bulletproofed and when it first hits the market it's going to have to be tested left and right yeah but and even and even though it gets tested left and right there's probably going to be still a one percent where it just doesn't work and it's not effective or it kills someone yes see vaccines yeah. And how people hold the 1% up is the reason that you can't possibly even think about getting them. this. is a vaccine free episode of meandering. It's the 80, 81st episode, it and it's vaccine free. It's not either. It is the 81st. I'm ready to roll on and talk some vaccine now. No. All right. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I know what nothing's you're saying. 100%. Okay. Here's a. Here's a quiet revealing of how you make sure something's 100%. If you're talking about technologically speaking, in my opinion, or my assessment of it, is you roll out all the trials of the technology way before. And you just see how the technology works right under the nose of people without them knowing. That's not intrusive. That's not. Manipulative. I don't. You it's can't just the test introduction. something like that. What I'm suggesting is that we have been. In what? what give me an example. We've of how. we've tested AI algorithms nudging for 15 to 20 years. We've just been doing it in under a capitalistic umbrella, of which we've gotten all the data that we need to simultaneously get it right. And fix the the bugs. The bugs being. Yeah, but the product is at market now. It's not been under anyone's nose. 
it's out there for other companies to rip off. You, you, yeah. so this is not a testing or secret phase of testing. You can't do that. But the, the other side of the coin is the other side of the coin is, is going along parallel with all of the negative uses of the technology simultaneously the entire time. It's not like it's been all bad is what I'm saying. The, I get on here week to week and I, I talk, I trash the capitalism use of AI to, you know, spot a billboard that you passed when you passed it and then spit out an article for you. But what I don't mention is if you do have an ailment inside of you that you're concerned about, or you've been having headaches for a year or two and you don't know what it is and you go WebMDing, there are things in place that can probably identify an actual physical or mental issue with you in advance of you taking the physical initiative to go to the doctor. And so the AI can perhaps doctor you in advance of by nudging similarly to how it nudges because you're in a certain section of the grocery store or because you bought this item for the last seven weeks and you're addicted to this particular brand of deodorant, whatever. There's the equivalency on the other side of the coin to where if there's something that you need work on for your betterment and you can't take the initiative for it for whatever reason, it's not free will based. It's just because you don't have the awareness of it or you don't have the grasp of the entire situation. Something can come along and say, ah, well, I mean. We can help. That's what I'm suggesting the technology has been doing and can do for some period of time. It hasn't worked. It's, it's, not, it's not flawless yet. It, it, it would never be used in that way. But it has been. We talked about it here where well, AI spotted when I am message boards talking about coughs in China. Sure. And that's when it spotted... So clearly, it was used there, and that's the big scope. It's it can be used in the micro. Well, you're scopes. jumping around here now. Mm. I you're talking about message board aggregation for AI. Not just that. You're just talking that's about the big you're, you're talking about how AI is measuring your health. Yes. And then it nudges you to make you healthier, right? Yeah. We know that will never ever happen because the only way that happens is if I'm selling you on healthy. And I'm paying Mark Zuckerberg to push his algorithm to make you buy my product. That's the only way that happens. So if I wake up in the morning and the first thing I say for three weeks in a row is, oh, slept bad again. Oh, my back is killing me. It's not a bad thing that AI identifies that I may actually have a back issue. And it sends me ads for medicine that can help with my back. Now, that's not terrible. That's under the current capitalistic infrastructure of how AI is used to propagandize. That's fine. I can tolerate that. What I'm suggesting is that AI can 
alter. Um, I don't want to use that word because you think it's it's terrible. Yes, you want manipulation of everyone. No, I think AI can come along and nudge behavior. It won't. It won't to where the back. If there is an issue with it, the back pain goes away over time by a deviation of behavior. Yeah, how does it deviate your behavior to fix your back pain? Well, it can trace the root of the back pain. In what way? Whether it's sleeping, whether it's okay. So then, how does it nudge you? How does it nudge you to change the way you sleep? That's where. How does it nudge you to exercise? That's is where, it a smartwatch that you wear that electrocutes you when you're not doing things right? No, that's where it gets kind of. See, what's more realistic is that you do wear a watch and it monitors all your vital signs and tracks your exercise. And when it feels like you have a problem, it tells you, "Hey, I think you have this problem. Do you want to make? Do you, would you like me to make a doctor's appointment?" Yeah, for that's you? realistic and that's palatable in 2021. But it's not going to nudge you to do this or that. To, to be healthier, to fix your back pain. It's not going to do that. What if it's something a little more serious? What if it's depression? What if it's anxiety? Again, it's going to do the same sort of thing. It's not going to push you in or out of it. It's going to have you evaluated by, by but a what doctor. If it, it's going to tell you, hey, we're noticing this. You should talk to a doctor. Would you like <sighs> me to make an appointment? That has not gotten the job done. That's never happened before. The doctors have not gotten the job done. You don't know that. We do. No, you don't. We have 30 years of escalating mental illnesses, especially in this country, to tell us that. But you're assuming that all of everybody's going to the doctor and explaining to the doctor what's happening with their mental illness. Right. And I'm telling you that maybe 10% of people do. Okay. So what do you do with the 90% then? You give them a watch that tells them you should go see the doctor. And that just gets them there. Well, it might. It's a little like trying to talk your friend who doesn't want to get the COVID vaccine into getting the COVID vaccine. Oh Some people are just going to be have this their minds again. made up. This talk again. I don't and have my never, mind made and up. And it's never going to get changed. I don't have my mind made up. I didn't say that you did. I but I tell you what, you're, you're going to get your uh, vaccine. Uh, your yeah, vaccine I'm, status is going to be revoked if you don't get the next booster. Yeah. I've already scheduled my next booster, I'm sure you have. And that'll be the one time you play disc golf the whole year. will be when you get your, after your booster, so you can. Why? Because you, last time yeah, we played, you said, super oh, energy. so good. I felt so good. Oh, it was super <laughs> energy. Yeah, I got a B12 shot. All Definitely. Right. I like Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is Skynet doesn't like you. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Well, Skynet and I see eye to eye now. <laughs> we so, want the same things. I mean, what if Skynet was saying everybody needs to be vaccinated? I think you'd still be against it. Mm, I would ask Skynet why. I'd probably give you the same things that you can get now when you go look. Yeah. You know why everybody should be vaccinated, Morgan? So that everything can get back to normal. And then I ask myself, what? What is everyone's definition of normal? What what does going back to normal mean? All these well, people that I, are I got, angry. I got news for you. Back to normal's already happened, whether you're vaccinated or not. 
we're not waiting on people to be vaccinated to quote unquote get back to normal. So then why, why are people sick and tired of unvaccinated people slowing this down? What, what slow down? We're back to normal. Traffic's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. But the, without people who are not vaccinated are not reducing the world's risk of this continuing to go on and on and on. There's 1500 deaths a day here in the U S from COVID. Okay. I drive, I drive by the replacing the flu. Yeah. I drive by the sign that says, don't be a fatality on Texas roads. Don't contribute to the number. Wear your seatbelt. Buckle up. I buckle up, but other people don't. They don't seem to care. See, yeah, for me, that's, and even for this, it's, it's Darwinism at its, at its greatest. If you don't want to buckle up and you get in a car wreck and die, I really don't care. Yeah. I really don't it, think there should be a law that tells me I have to wear a seatbelt. I want the dumb people to not wear their seatbelts and die in car wrecks. That's Same where sort of thing with, with the vaccination. That's where with COVID though, it's again, visualize that decision tree uh, there is that a, you were suggesting there earlier. Is a, um, There's a starting point. Vaccinated, yes or no, and then you go left or right. And if you're on the side of no, let, let's just go down that track. Vaccinated, no. Why? And then you have like 10 branches down from why. Oh, at least. At least. Not all of them are invalid. Many of them are. But they're not all. You can't just write them all off. Because if you could, then the other side would be flawless. It would be perfect. It would be perfect choice. You didn't. Absolutely. Show me your perfect choice. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, Mr. Devontae Adams. You're fully vaccinated. You just got thrown on the COVID list. You got it again. But that's why I wanted to get vaccinated so that I wouldn't get it. And you're telling me that if I get vaccinated, I can still get it and I haven't gotten it. Yeah. But instead of ended up ending up on a ventilator, you just, Oh, Oh, but, na- but, but now, but now we're so far down that tree of possibility. It's like, Back to the the point zero zero one percent argument. It's like, why can't I use that one now? Why is it not usable in this scenario? But two years ago, when Morgan was saying out of his mouth, you know, you have a point zero one chance of getting COVID, I had to shut up and say, "You're right, Morgan. I guess time will tell." But now, when the roles yeah, are flipped, you mean like I can't- in, in week one, I say that. And you want to try to but make this that is, part of this argument now? But this, is this week isn't week one. one. Of va- yes, it is. Long term, this one is year. week one. We're one year vaccines. into vaccines. Yeah. One year. One year of 20. 20. So? And I had a narrow window of time to convince you I, mean, I was right. You know, I think if something bad's going to happen with something new, it happens in the beginning. Not 10 years down the road of something new being in place and then everything goes haywire to really the road. well then you haven't been paying much attention to side effects of all medicines and all drugs that are administered by the government agencies of this country that don't really give a shit about anything except money out of the gates they don't care my grandfather died of mesothelioma now they run ads saying hey if you know someone who died of mesotheliomia, you may be entitled to a portion of... Because nobody gave a shit in 1960. Nobody gave a shit about leaded gasoline in 1960. 
Nobody gave a shit about Flint's water problem. Sorry to go from lead to my train of thought right now. Nobody gave a shit until it was a big deal. Nobody gave a shit about side effects of drugs until people died of whatever drug it was. There's thousands of them, so I'm sorry if I don't have particular examples right on <laughs> right on the tip of my tongue. But that, this but is how I, things work. It's like okay. software. There's bugs. It, there may be, but the problem happens in the beginning. In every single one of these things, the problem is in the beginning. It is not the problem. It doesn't work fine, and it's working great for everyone. And then ten years down the road, it goes apeshit bad. That does not happen. I thought it did in pharmacology, a hundred percent. You don't. If see you're talking about carcinogens, if you're talking about carcinogens that happen over a period of time. Maybe. Well, things that affect the human body but, don't but, just but happen if I have a, if I have a, But if I have a drug right now that people take to fix X, Y, Z, and it has side effects B, C, and D, B, C, and D don't just explode five, down the, five years down the road and kill you. It doesn't happen that way. If you're going to experience the side effects, you experience them the moment you start taking the medication, and then you stop taking the medication. I just don't need the medication. I know. You don't. I mean, yeah, you're right. Throughout history, we have things that we, building materials that we use that were poor decisions at the time. Yes, because they weren't properly studied. But, I mean. They were rushed. (sighs) They put the buildings together as quickly as possible so they can have industries going and churning. Well, I mean. From a construction standpoint, you know, one of the things that they talk about with construction, you know, is we have so much concrete, right? That it's like there, there needs to be at least like your, your concrete mix needs to be at least 15% um, cement. Yeah. And of course, when you're talking about buildings all across the world and people who build buildings, they knowingly put less than 15% when they're building buildings. So when you have like a natural disaster and, you know, wherever the natural disaster ha- happens, like an earthquake, for example, uh, Haiti, right? When Haiti yeah. had a really big, so like, as it turned out, when they looked at some of the concrete buildings there, they were just not built well. Like had they had 15% cement in these buildings. The damage would have been minimized. Less, mm. less. There sure. still would have been damage. There still would have been death, but not to that extent. Right. Not to crippling the entire country is essentially. So sure, there are definitely decisions companies and businesses make uh, that affect things like that, that you that are hidden from the public. Yeah. You don't know, right? But I think with something well, you've said the medical like this, government needs to work like a business now more does. than ever. It does. If you so if, if it's working needs, like a business now more than ever, then it's operating. Well, it needs to be focused on making money or producing a product that makes money. Like a vaccine. The government's not making any money on a vaccine because the government's not producing the vaccine. The the government didn't do the research for the vaccine. The government's not making any money at all on the vaccine. This would be a nice break. We're at the two-hour mark. This is our sweet spot. I didn't want to talk vaccines. Too bad. It's still a hot topic. Sorry. Moderna and Pfizer 
made cumulatively over a hundred billion. They are not the government. The government did not make any money, and now you're quoting me what Moderna and Pfizer made. You've watched the X Files. You're an X Files fan. Do you think there's zip zero, just no connection at all, no country? We taught secret societies. This is the non-secret societies. This, these are the people that are chummies, country club sharers, live in the same communities. You look at every pocket of industry, every class of citizen that even shares any common crossing paths, whether it's politicians, rappers who live in L.A., they tend to migrate and end up living around one another. They tend to drive past each other's houses, spend time with each other's kids, go to the same country clubs, go to the same nightclubs, restaurants. You're telling me that the pharmaceutical CEOs of this country, the people making high eight figures in the Musk-Bezos range, we just don't publicize them like we do those two guys. You're telling me they don't have any connections to Washington, D.C.? Period. They're just, nah. So you're, you're twisting this, though. The government did not make any money on the COVID vaccine, so now you're twisting My it to, use, say that, okay. to say that the CEOs of these guys were given this money. That's not the government making money. My, my use of phraseology may be um, a bit off. The FDA and the CDC are government agencies that are overseers to the creation, the release, and the application of these $150 billion money machines for the pharmaceutical companies. They're in control. They're also in control of all of the drugs. Uh, that get approved or not approved that do end up with side effects down the road that are harmful. But since the micro machine guys listing them in the commercial really fast, you don't really pay attention to them or you just in one ear out the other because your attention span is not yours, but the people watching those commercials, it's trained to avoid that little blurb of really speed talk and just focus on the visuals, pictures and Ray Liotta saying, Chantix helped me, but forget about all the side effects. If there were a commercial for these vaccines. There are, actually. <laughs> there are? No, but in the traditional sense mm-hmm. of the drugs, prescription medication. If there were a traditional late night commercial for these vaccines, they would have to list the side effects. They'd have to. And there are some. They're not prevalent. Of course not. I'm not concerned with the side effects. I don't care about the side effects. I'm not, I haven't taken the vaccine. I think people that are 60 and up and have underlying conditions should consider them. Not, not as death-causing like uh, you're really better off chancing in COVID. No. Just like Don't be so gung-ho about your approach to it and convincing me, someone who does care for their health 
and thinks that they're accountable enough for their own personal health to disregard the person who has underlying conditions as is and let them convince me that they got it figured yeah, but, out. Uh, you know, you may have an underlying condition and not know about it. You may. This is a whole nother conversation. You could have something in your body right now, lying dormant, that gets triggered if you get something like COVID. No. You ever had chicken pox? Yes. Then you have a virus in you right now, laying dormant. <laughs> I that, thought the tomato sauce bath took care of that. You have shingles right now in your body that at some point may turn on. It may never turn on. They want me they have to have take a, a drug for it. Yeah. They have a vaccine so you don't get it. I know. But there is something in you right now, an underlying condition lying dormant within you. Oh, I know that. I'm a These rip. things exist. Uh, I'm just, These I'm going to turn into a reptilian. <laughs> is that you're going to get shingles and turn into a reptilian? <laughs> shingles, because I always have the visual of shingles, shingles on, on the roof. <laughs> I'm always like, does my skin grow scaly? Yeah. If I get, is like that, that is armor. actually what happens, right, with shingles? I, know, I, think you just I have thought like you get a rash? Yeah, it's bad rash. Yeah. Very painful from what I understand. It looks like shingles on a roof. <laughs> from the visual here. Anyway. I, I have an issue with taking advice from people who don't warrant like they're yeah, but I but I think with any decision you've come across in your life, that argument's valid. I know. With every decision. I know. So why not just make the decision yourself every step of the way? Like well, why why not do the comparison? This is a little different, right? This is a little different, right? How many millions of people died because of this? I mean, this is not the decision between eating a hamburger or a chicken sandwich. This is life or death. <laughs> That could, every decision is not life or death. It's a part of it. No, it's not. Kind of is. No, it, not every decision <laughs> is life or death. Everybody dies. So then this, so by that, every decision you make is getting you one we, step closer to, you to death. No matter what the decision is, healthy or unhealthy, no, it's getting you one step closer to death or one step closer to life. A longer Not life. Death. You're going to die in the end. It doesn't matter. So you're just, every decision you ever make just gets you one step closer to death. But this is why they say every cigarette takes 20 minutes off your life is because everything is a, a it's, it's a, it's That's, a tug of war. It's a, it's a statistic used in a, in a way to make you think smoking is bad. But smoking is bad. To most people. But there are that, <laughs> but there are that five or 10, you know, one to 5% that, Sm have smoked for 70 years and they're 100 years old still smoking today with no health issue. So I can point to that one thing and go, nothing wrong with smoking. How many, uh, how many people really though? I bet there's more than you think. smoking for 40 plus years. And I bet there's more than you think. Mm. Smoking is just not as popular today. I can guarantee you my grandfather ate bacon every day of his life. But I bet you he moved a lot. I don't know that he moved a lot. He was not exactly a healthy-looking individual. <laughs> it doesn't matter healthy-looking. It matters what's going on inside. 
Oh, so it doesn't matter if you're 50 or 60 pounds overweight. It just matters what's happening inside. Well, it could. My grandfather was 60 to 70 pounds overweight his entire life and ate bacon every day and died of lung cancer at the age of 88. Did he move around a lot? No, not really. Otherwise, he wouldn't be 70 pounds overweight. <laughs> Especially in the later years, he, you know, he didn't have a big toe on one foot. He had a bad hip on another. He did not move around a lot. There's not anything in that situation that says it may have been because of diet that all these ailments arose. Like, did the doctors ever say, hey, I, I don't think your diet gives you lung cancer. Just just going to say that out loud pretty confidently <laughs> that I don't think what you eat, no, you know, give, gives maybe you not lung, lung cancer. cancer. What was what, it? What, I mean, he, he, it was a gun accident that shot his big toe off. I don't, I'm pretty sure that what he ate then didn't really matter. And walking around without a, a big toe on one foot causes you just to walk a little different. And so you just have hip problems. Less. So you have hip problems right. later that cause hip, That's you know, true. hip things. Yeah, AI is going to fix I mean, he those. worked with his hands. He fished, but I mean, he was not like an exercise guy. AI is going to fix all this. Yeah, he will. A AI and 3D printing. Mm, you won't need the 3D printing. Yeah. See, see, that's the interesting part. If Sasha has his way, and Morgan's little fantasies of 3D printing organs aren't even necessary in 50 years. It may not be because we can people just have metal be, bodies. No, because people will be making the right decisions. They'll be conditioned for the right decision. Actually, you'll have more leeway to make the wrong decision. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely you will. There'll be a pill for everything. There'll be a surgery for everything. There'll be no need to take care of what you have because it, right now you have to take care of it because it's finite. There's only so much of it. You can't, you, you only get this one shot. But as future goes on, you're going to get, more and more and more chance. But you're missing the part of the equation I've been trying to illustrate, and I've, maybe I've just been doing it wrong or, or not expressing it properly. But the worst case decisions or, or the, the negative decisions and choices that can be made, they don't change. When it comes to like a decision on your personal health, we know what the worst case decisions look like. They lead to death. They lead to medical ailments. They lead to disease. They lead to disorders. Like, we can't get, okay, I won't knock on wood. I hope we can't develop a new form of cancer based on behaviors trending in another direction. That's to say, like, if, um, if the human being in general overall becomes healthier over the course of the next 10 to 20 years and diet just radically changes, and we eat a meal and two or two a day instead of three on the western part of this this world, and the obesity numbers dwindle, and mental illness um, linked, and depression and anxiety and all of these mental ailments that I believe are linked to nutrition, if they all dwindle along, and everything goes down, so obesity obesity numbers and mental health numbers go down simultaneously over the next twenty years, the opposite of what we've seen in the last twenty years. And then in 20 years, we're having our episode here, and I'm like, okay, if, if we come back and I say, what were the negatives of the last 20 years? It's not like they can be any different than what they are now. Like the negatives of AI or some higher consciousness 
controlled AI coming along and saying, let's steer the human pursuit of free will in a more broad range regarding optimism, it still leaves room for negativity. You can still, you still have the free will to say, nah, I'm going to make the conscious decision of eating three meals a day. Eating, It's still going to be there. You're going to have the option. It's just going to be harder for you to do. You're going to have a harder time doing it. Why would you have a harder time doing it? Because you're being nudged along by something that. But there'll be no need to nudge. Over time. But at first there will be. There's not a need now. Sure. It's depatterning. You have to depattern. You have to decondition 200 million people. Obesity is not going to get better before technology is better. Technology is better. It's not going to happen. It's been better for 10, 15 years. But what I mean by that is like. Well, take a look at what fast food industries have to do now. They have to have a salad on on their menu. They have to have health options. They didn't have to have these things 20 years ago. The higher level of thinking about nutrition has forced the hand of the McDonald's and the Jack in the Box. But the need for that is less and less every year. No, it's more and more. Well, if things keep going as they are, but when I can 3D print stuff and I I can take a pill that clears this or fixes that, there's no need to to hold any of this back. Well, then that's it. It's time to go crazy with our foods. It's time to eat six times a day. No. Not be like a caveman and only eat once because uh, I was only able to scrounge one meal today. It's. Which they didn't live very long, by the way. And I don't know that they lived healthy lives at all. It's not about. Anyway. It's not about scrounging. It's about like simplicity. Overrated. Well, in accordance with other certain aspects of reality. Nothing in life is simple. Not one thing. The materialistic approach to life can be very simple. It's not simple. simple. It's not simple at all. The external physical world, make it as simple as possible so that the internal world can be the exact opposite. That's my, like, just... What's an internal world? Glad you asked. Thinking. Consciousness. Reason. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Advancement. That, yeah, but that's only going to be like 5% of the population, 10% of the population. That's all that'll ever be, no matter what the circumstances or situation is. That's okay. All I want is, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way. All I want is for a larger chunk of the population to be where the higher consciousness was 20 years ago. Like, I want them to play catch up a little bit to see what what the world looks like when they get bumped up a notch instead of stagnant, instead of flatline. Because if you're flatline, then I, again, you're I, limiting... I don't know that that ever happens. But you're limiting potential for that 1 in 5%. Okay. No, you're not. Oh, you are. You're not. You are. You can't have simultaneous. You can't have the many worlds theory here on Earth. You can't have a different. You've said this. You can't have multiple realities for different. That already exists. Well, it does, but on a physical, in a, in a physical sense. Like if you have more money, you can live on an island. 
What I'm suggesting is you, if you have a better way of living and experiencing life, you shouldn't be held back because the reality out there is catered to what's further down the line evolutionarily. We believe in free will, right? No, you don't. I don't believe it exists, (laughs) but let's just say that it does exist. Okay. Why are we denying their free will to be what they are? Because 99% of it is all the same. So? Then it's not free. Okay. It's conditioned. Okay. So what I'm suggesting is... But but in their mind, they've made these choices. They're making these free of will. This is their life. Why do you why do you feel like you need to drag them anywhere? I don't, or make them do anything. I don't. I just you feel, just leave them alone. If they're happy, they're happy. Let them be happy. I agree. I just want them to know that their assessment of it is inaccurate because they need to know that what they're experiencing isn't no, free will. They don't need to know that. Why do they need to know that? Why do you? Better yet, why do you think they need to know that? Because they've made the conscious decision that they don't need to know that. They're happy not knowing that, but you want to make them, you want to hold their, put their face in the fire, so to speak, and wake them up from their reality when they're perfectly happy. Why do you want to take something that's perfectly happy and mess with it? (sighs) It's not holding you back. Because. And the moment machines are doing all the menial tasks anyway, it's really not holding you back. Ignorance is not bliss, Morgan. Oh, it absolutely is. It's not. Oh, it absolutely It's back to the way this episode started with the hijacking of words and the hijacking of phrases. I'm History doesn't... The experience of life and what can be needs to be taken accountable again. Like it needs to be the experiencers of life need to be more accountable and more authoritative, I think, in their experience, their personal experience of what they're going through. They need to be a little bit more assertive and a little bit more uh, like this is my domain than they have been. Because what they've done for a long period of time is what you're suggesting and just stepping back and saying, "Eh, hands off. I can live in my world and be perfectly happy. They can live in their world and be perfectly happy. That is true. But the side effect of that is the majority rules theory seems to seep its way into the fabric of the material reality. What I am suggesting is they can be just as happy if not happier, in a world where the material world looks like what the one in 5% want it to look like. That's all. It's just maybe when you're driving down 35, every every city you pass, every 10, 15 miles, maybe it's just not the same barrage of 10 restaurants that you see that you can memorize. Maybe it's just a handful of them. And that's, I always go back to that, but (laughs) what I mean is like the corporate landscape in general, maybe it just looks a little different moving forward because it's no longer catered to the lowest common denominator. It doesn't need to be. 
capitalism needs to figure out a way to thrive without needing the 99% of the blob. Like, I don't get it. We've got these stats that tell us these two people make up 30% of the wealth. So why aren't we in this country? Um, or the 1% makes up 99% of the money going around. So then why are we designing a world? Well, I, I answered my own question. <laughs> because they're rich because they catered to the 99%. So you see, you got to detach from that whole fucking system in order to do anything different. Yeah, but that, that system isn't just for capitalism. That system is for everything. No. Name a place that... We just got done talking about technology. You can't roll out this technology to a large group of people whose reaction to the technology or their behavior with it is unpredictable. That's limiting to me. So I can't discuss even some concepts. What I'm saying is, show me a country where it doesn't work this way. Show me a place on earth I'm not saying, where it doesn't work this way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, why, why aren't we pioneering then? Why aren't we more than, why aren't we what we were two, three hundred years ago when we had all these extreme ideas that we were ready to bring on the ramifications of? We were ready to go to war, so to speak, for the ideologies and the concepts that we wanted to see pan out and roll out. I'm not saying physical war is even a thing anymore. But I'm ready to go psychological war with some of the people that are so entrenched in an antiquated way of thinking that the only way out is to say, yeah, maybe this way of thinking is better and you'll figure it out over time. But you got to tiptoe. Sort of thing. You got to tiptoe. You got to be graceful. Sort of thing. But 200 years ago, you could chop someone's head off if you didn't like the way they, they thought about it. Can't do that now. All I'm saying is, you you enjoyed the repression better. No, and the violence better. No, all I those enjoy, years ago, I enjoyed the conflict resolution better. Because <laughs> now you got to sit back and you got to wait for shit to pan out, so to speak, or you got to give people a, a fair shot at adjusting. Like why? They, they can roll with the changes. They're not bad changes. Nobody's asking you to, to change your way of life. I'm just saying the way of life might change <laughs> over time. That's it. We, we've had heated ar- arguments here about the fact that, um, well, not heated, but back and forth about how conformity is a good thing sometimes. Oh, it is. Well, when you're talking about living with a bunch of other people, you have to have conformity. Yeah, but who dictates what that looks like? Society does itself. And and who? Com- That's going to be a majority of the people. And okay. I know you're going, eh, but it's the ones that aren't really all that enlightened. Eh, but um, but a, a lot of times it's very minor things. That's not major issues. That that's that's happening. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little allergic flare up. Oh, you do? No, just uh, my nose became stuffy as I was saying that. Gotcha. Yeah, what, what there's there's saying? a there's a word in economics for the stagnation. I can't think of it of an economy, and I can't think of it uh, right off the top of my head. It's um, 
it's not called camping, but it's sort of the same sort of thing. And that's, and there's two industries you can really think about in the United States that are this way, the airline industry and the the telecom industry when it comes to like cellular phones. Mm. Um, These are industries that pioneered an innovation early on, but then got rich off of it and then could buy influence Yeah, and, and make it harder for new companies to get into like, even if they were advanced, like look at Concord. Like, right. Well, I mean, it's so expensive to get into, to, to create an airline is so you have to have so much capital up front to, you know, I mean, the planes alone are costing, you know, cost you billions of dollars, right? To get a piece of the market share. Right. And so you really need the increased competition uh, to continue to, to drive innovation. And so these industries got fat cats that were able to influence politicians to make laws or rules or stuff that made it harder for other people to get in. But eventually these things are going to change as well. They will. A new technology will replace the technology. Like maybe one day we have teleportation systems versus airplanes. Yeah. You know, something will come along that sort of creates it. Um, I, I mean, I can't think of the name of that term, but I'll, I'll find that term. But something like camping or. Huh. But uh, on whose terms do all these things happen? Well, That's this, the problem. This thing happens naturally, though. Um, really? Yeah. It just, the way that the industry happens. Uh, happens and occurs it sort of just happens in its own little these shifts these shifts technologically and within industries and stuff like that they i i feel like they can happen quicker now than ever oh yeah yeah well technology can definitely change things for sure but you also have these large groups that can purchase new technology and not allow it to hit the market right like in the telecom industry, for example. So it's going to have to be some new thing that makes this obsolete that comes around that's started by another company that they don't buy up. Or we all get implants, which they change the technology to implant technology maybe. I don't know. So you see, this is this is why like when I look at something like what Elon's doing with Neuralink and all that, it's... What's the word? Reverse engineering. So I like to think that uh, all technology is reverse engineered, but engineered via something that a human being could do. So it's it's weird. I can visualize it, but I can't explain it well. So like every single technology that exists, I guess the way a car is built. Whoever put the concept of the car together, like the engine, the wheels, they were essentially looking for technology to get humans from point A to point B quicker. Via observation, they said, well, people were using stagecoaches. Uh, so, you, so you had some precedence of technology uh, before that. But even before that, it was just observing a human being walking from here to there. And then it was a human being riding a horse. Then it was a human being riding a horse with a stage uh, with a wagon behind. I probably missed a couple of leaps uh, along the way, whatever. But eventually it's like, okay, let's make it a machine completely. 
and then you get the car. But the ins and outs of the car, they resemble a human body. Um, analogously speaking. So when I see Neuralink, when I see a company like that, or a device like that, knowing, or at least having my thought on how technology works, I say, eh, wait a second, Elon. We can do this already. So Neuralink is essentially going to try to capture, I, uh, if you were giving a 10-second diagnosis or a diet, damn, diet. If you were giving a 10-second synopsis of what Neuralink was trying to do, how would you say? How, how would you phrase it to somebody who knew nothing about Neuralink? How would you introduce them to it? It's technology that they're going to try to capture people's thoughts. It might be a good way to try to describe it. Okay. In order for that technology to exist and to actually be turned into a technology, what I'm suggesting is that something exists naturally that is able to do that already. Because you can't just come up with the idea out of thin air. What will Neuralink do? Its main purpose is to help people communicate through text or voice messages. Of course, Neuralink is not limited to that. It can also be utilized to draw pictures, take photographs, and do other activities. Okay. Neuralink is the future of technologies. Humans can possibly use it to operate machines with their brains. Okay. So that's a good way of um, saying it, I guess. Neuralink is going to try to be the middleman between um, the human brain and machine. Okay. Which sort of already exists in a way. Via our nervous system. Right. Like, um, like we operate machines with our hands, our, our feet, our fingers. I think a lot fingers. of, like, even like uh, uh, somebody loses a leg or an arm, I, I think they're starting to link those things back to the nervous system. Um, yeah. To where the finger movements, for example, are more like Luke Skywalker getting in his arm replaced in Empire Strikes Back versus, you know, just having like a wooden fist. Yes. From Happy Gilmore that gets bitten by the alligator. So here's where it gets interesting in closing, because a lot of tonight's episode has been concentrated on this as it has been uh, as well. I think, I think this episode progressed quite some bit. It wasn't a circular of a discussion on AI. It, we chipped away a little bit further along. And I'm happy we did. AI aggregation. Um, the AI. That's going to be the initial stuff that yeah, comes out. The, yeah. The, the, the ability to. Aggregate data. To consume libraries of data and give you answer results or commonalities or correlations now earlier earlier morgan you said no human being on this planet can do that yeah now i somewhat agree with you but if i'm sticking to my guns saying that an ai algorithm even if it's 
incorporates elements of machine learning because I think machine learning is like a, a nook and cranny of that world that exists in the human world. I Okay. I don't want to get too convoluted in closing. Let me just keep it simple. Our subconscious, I believe, is um, on par with that. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Just the stuff that I absorb and the stuff that becomes part of my everyday conscious being that I don't really have control over, where does it come from? It does come from my subconscious. I don't think it comes from um, as heavy conditioning as some people would think, like from external influence and all that. Because then I could stick myself in a sensory deprivation chamber for a week or two, or isolation for that matter. No TV, no computer, no phone. I could go out to the cabins for a week and sleep in the woods. And I would still have thoughts processing. I would still have ideas processing. I would still have deductions and reasoning and connecting of dots happening on my own. If I didn't read a book or anything like that, I'd still, I might have even clearer thoughts or clearer deductions and reasoning. But there's so much more going on neurologically that I can't tap into quite yet because I'm only using a certain amount of my brain. And I don't think the body wastes that just because I can't do it. So as of late, I've just contemplated the thought that a lot of the way the digestive system works and it secretes the stuff that's not needed, the nutrients that you don't need once you ingest food. It, I've always used the analogy that data and information works the same way, except up top instead of down bottom. The stuff that you take in, something inside is processing what you need, what you don't need. You do have conscious control over some of it. If you have bias and if you let your opinion and narrative sort of roadblock stuff, but if you don't let it roadblock, if you have an open flow of information that's saying, bring it all on, I will aggregate as much of the life experience from you, 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 and you. I'll, I'll take it all in. I'll soak it up. And whatever output I have, I'm okay with. I don't know. We can get pretty close to... Nowhere near. We can get pretty close to aggregating data from the past and figuring out what works and what doesn't when it comes to human decisions and choices. Not, not, not new ones. Not one individual. No. No. Anybody can do this. What I'm saying is... No, you, no. You would have to take a group of people. Yes. But you'd have to be aware of it being a possibility to even allow for it to occur. Is what I'm saying. You'd have to be open to the thought that you can be a walking, talking aggregator of observation and data. And that what you're taking in and putting back out has some tangible weight to it as far as the fabric of reality is concerned. Much like 
AI clearly has. Like it can, at least online and in the computer ranks, it can lead you through very specific um, rabbit holes, for example. We know that from experiencing the algorithms online. Segue to the next episode because I hope we talk about them again. We didn't talk about them a lot here. I think synchronicities are a little bit like, they're a little algorithmic in nature. I think that you can chain synchronicities together. I think you can chain positive events together without setting out to do it, without waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to have a great day. Every decision is going to be the best decision I could possibly make. Nobody could do that. If you go out with the onset of doing that, you're going to fail. But well, that goes directly against optimism mm. and think positive, be positive. You get, you'll, you, you get positive. Mm. It, it doesn't. I think synchronicities are only what our minds perceive and we make odd links to make them sync. But if they can be objectively viewed, then they cross that threshold. I don't know that a synchronicity can be objectively viewed. Well, I just have to present it to you. But I don't know that that's necessarily objective. Mm, Fair. But I have access to a certain amount of exposure of my synchronicities or my life experience. What I'm suggesting is if that scope broadens, then the aha moments broaden. No, I think, I I don't think so. Okay. I I mean, your mind makes connections that aren't really there. We know that for fact that that occurs. So I, I don't know that, um, are, I mean, there are coincidences that happen. There are things that are odd that happen, but I don't, I don't know if synchronicity is real. Hmm. You're asking for synchronicities to prove to you that they're real by saying something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I... I w- see that's the and, kind of and stuff. And the whole thing is, that's if they, the kind if of stuff they that's are intriguing. real, you have no control over whether they happen or not. Right, but that's just the stage of the technology that we're at right now. <laughs> I In, think it's technology that leads us to the path of being of something being a synchronicity. I think that synchronicity. You don't have a cell phone. You're not on the internet. I'm not sure how many synchronicities you're observing in life. I think the synchronicities are a gateway to a more aligned, fluid life experience that's aligned Boy, with... that would be boring as fuck. No, because you're only getting a fraction of them right now. You're getting a tidbit of it. A, 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 a tiny spice. And you don't believe in... Well, not believe. Um, you don't view synchronicities as real yet. So that tells me that you may not have experienced the same type of synchronicity that I'm suggesting I've experienced. All I'm saying is that if my theory is correct, 
without my involvement, without me saying, you will, Morgan, you absolutely will watch and connecting dots for you in your own personal experience, which is impossible to do. Over the course of <laughs> months or years, or however long it takes, the definition of what, what it is might change for you. Because I think it is a, it's a middleman for un, unfuckwithable reality in the human experience. And for the longest time, people have come out and staked their claim to what they want this world to be. It's the Tears for Fears song. Everybody wants to rule the world. That doesn't mean that they should or that they can but we've let them. And just to dial back, something does run the world. And I think it just wants like a bit of company. <laughs> it wants a bit of understanding. It wants a bit of alignment. It wants, uh, it wants to share. And the middleman is sending us hints every once in a while that there's something else out there beyond what we've deduced. Because what we've deduced, man, that's kind of fucking lame. Well, something sitting back and giving small clues in hopes of one day being recognized is pretty fucking lame. But the opposite of that is coming and uh, being authoritative and saying, hey, hi. That's not necessarily authoritative, saying hi. It's manipulative. It is not. It's how you make a proper introduction. <laughs> no. When I'm approaching the girl at the bar, I'm not leaving her hints that I'm in the bar and interested. I'm walking up to her and saying, hi, I'm here. Oh, well, I would like to communicate. We have different approaches. We should have just... We should have just talked about how we approach women at the bar this whole episode. Because you know what I do? I sit there, I do my own thing, and I'm like, eh, she'll come up to me. And five times out of ten, she does. It's the fat chick that comes up to you, I know. No. I've witnessed it. No. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> All I know is every time I've been to the bar with you, not one good-looking chick has walked up. Well, so I'm just saying. we've been playing ping pong, and we've gone to just a bar saying. where I... <laughs> That, I haven't seen a good looking chick. I'm not trying yeah. to meet women at the bar. I don't I'm want either, but I'm I, just saying. I don't want to meet someone. Okay, I haven't been, to a, to, I haven't a been to a grocery store with you or a. I mean, no. The, Hang out anywhere. Hang out with me, Morgan. Well, these good looking see, chicks just come up and talk to you because you're putting out the vibe. Honestly, we see two to three hours of each other, uh, each other a week, and two and a half of those hours are spent just me, you, or Miguel sitting here in this chair. We don't go out very often, and if we do, we're doing, guess what, one-on-one -on -one sports or activities. That's it. We don't, I mean, we do go to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash, the only woman I've ever been interested in that's ever stepped foot in that bar, I brought her into the bar. So, no, I'm not interested in, in meeting people who um, are outside smoking on that 
bar patio on a nightly basis. It's disgusting. Anyway, let's go to the library. Do I have those anymore? Yeah. Mm. Well, where would Sasha meet women in 2021? You have to meet them online these days. No, I'm not going to do that, buddy. I'm telling you, there are so few options. It was movie store bust. (laughs) It was movie store bust. Maybe library. Consider library. When I bring the kiddo back out to the library, single dad parading around town, this little five, six-year-old chick magnet, right? I don't know about that. Not nowadays. I don't know about that. Not nowadays. Because that instantly flares off in their head. Oh, responsibility tree. I can't just be on social media and uh, work all day. If I start dating him, I'm going to have to incorporate his beautiful little daughter into my life. (laughs) And we all know that doesn't mesh well with vanity, selfishness, ego, all of those things. Yeah, if I were single, I would avoid avoid people that had kids. Even if that person was the best person for you. I'd never know it because I'd never get to know know him. Yeah. And you'd live a single and lonely life. No, I'd, I wouldn't be lonely, and I'd be okay. Be all right with it. Call me when your kid's 18. <laughs> all these what-ifs. <laughs> well, had to get a little bit of uh, dating talk in there. Because Lord knows there hasn't been any dates as of late. Well, sorry. Well, that's okay. Once I start hitting these major metros... Things will change. Major metros. Major metros. Not right now. It's the minor metros, little uh, side metros of Texas, because it takes two and a half hours just to get to a side metro from DFW. <laughs> you know, this is a pretty big city. A lot of people in it. There are. Don't have to go far to meet someone. No, you just got to go to a bar. You have to go to a bar. Meet meet somebody anywhere. You got to start up a. But online is probably the best place if you're really interested. I'm not. Then good for you. What I'm interested in is the evolution of the process of courtship. And in order for that to occur, there has to be another party involved. I was telling my mom this the other day, just in closing, closing, sorry. I'll edit this down, I'm sure. I was telling my mom, because we were listening to Dr. Laura on the drive. Boy, that was exciting. Oh, it was exciting, actually. Um, took a little bit of a drive with her in the countryside with my brother present as well. And she said, let's listen to Dr. Laura. I tried to play meandering. She was like, let's listen to Dr. Yeah, Laura instead. I'm going to shove our show down her throat. No, they, li- they listened to my brother and my mom listened to our program mm. on their own. Um, but they didn't want to hear it with me in the car. Yeah. I agree. Okay, whatever. You're always like, this is the best part. <laughs> Listen to this. No, let me skip to this part. No, I don't do that. I just do random parts. I'm like, this is awesome. Anyway, yeah. all right. So we're listening to Dr. Laura, and um, I think it was just some woman complaining about men. Not all of her calls are like that, but this one was. And after the call, I just asked my mom, I said, I know women don't want a man to quote unquote fix them. I know that for sure. But women 
can acknowledge that they have a lot to work on, just like men. Like, uh, now, now listen, listen, this is how I would talk to Dr. Laura. I, I would ask her this question. I would say, Dr. Laura, when a woman in a relationship with a man is just on her own time, certainly she is aware that she has things that she needs to work on, much like the man realizes he has things that he needs to work on. What is it about discussing those things with the person you're in a relationship with that just creates this animosity immediately? Shouldn't you trust the person you're with for a long period of time or even a short period of time, six, 12 months, to be someone who is in it for your best interests? Because if, like, that's the point, is to grow and be better together. So after all that, I said, you know, sooner or later, Mom, there's just going to be a difference. Like, we're going to discover a planet where there's just a new species of woman <laughs> that introduces themselves as like ready to be more evolved than the women of this planet are when it comes to being open to taking suggestions. <laughs> and if that's the case, the it's awesome because women of earth get their wish. Oh, men are all the same. Oh, I just wish men could leave me. Okay. You want to be left alone? Okay. From what I hear, nine out of 10 women don't want to deal with men unless they have to. And they have to because biologically speaking, many of them just want to reproduce or they want to have a child or we're their only pathway. So they're going to get the medical out of being able to go to the doctor and uh, have in vitro or um, fertilized eggs. But men, men might get a whole new species from another planet, female species. <laughs> Or similar. But it's like weird science in the, the idea that they're, they're what we want. I want the women on this planet. Okay. I have no problem with them. Okay. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I'll, get so a does... I'll get a text from this guy this week saying, uh... I, I ran across some fucking angry woman. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't send you I'll get like a that. text from you about an interesting encounter with a member of the female species this week. Maybe, Look, well, I don't, well, I don't know. Chivalry, Morgan, to me is reciprocal. That's all I'm saying. No, chivalry should be one-sided. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. It's all about her. All about her. Okay. And in return? They return your love, generally. Mm. They're into you. Mind-blowing. I agree. I agree with you. Love's pretty intense for some people. Well, I think some people overrate love. <laughs> We've gone through this before. Yeah, we though. have. Yeah, we have. 
think um, I think the chemical reaction that they feel is more like cocaine to them than actual real love. Yes, but if if there's real love there, it's kind of um, it's unconscious to a certain degree. Yeah, like you're you don't even think about it. Right, you're already doing things. Right. Your whole you're, lifestyle you're, changes. You do things without certain. thinking about them. Correct. That I mean, I, I'm trying to think of an um, it's of an example, but I mean, well, things change in your life without your conscious awareness of them at every moment, and then you look back in hindsight and you realize why so many things change. You kind of connect the dots. Actually, I don't give a shit. Okay. I don't analyze that too much. You, at some point, especially in a relationship, you have to let stuff that happened in the past go and allow it to not have any impact on the next little thing. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And That's not what I'm doing here. God dang. We're, no, see? I can never... How am I going to, if I can't communicate effectively with the co-host of my podcast. Yeah, your communication skills suck. <laughs> but you see, if I was talking to the object of my affection, she would understand everything I was saying. And, and I would have evidence of that in the way that she communicated back. So when I'm speaking to you, yeah, but I could be vague and dumb as well and give you that same feeling. I know, but you just got done saying you can't, or my communication sucks in many ways. Yeah, I'm more, I'm giving you a hard time. She, she never said that. <laughs> she wasn't around long enough to figure it out. Oh, she was. And her communication skills superly sucked. They did. They were a work in progress. Yeah, they shouldn't be when you're mature. Mm. But I guess that's why we're broken. Oh my gosh. Edit. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I'm going to edit the last 20 minutes yeah, out. Ed, just so we get it a two and a half hour podcast. Because okay. we were at two and a half hours before all this. But this is just extra. This is fodder. Oh, okay. I'm in a great place. Meandering episode 81 in the books. Um, yeah, just nudged everything along. Sure. No, the whole episode 81, ep- the episode 81, the nudge. That's it. Jeez. The shift. <laughs> <laughs>